Welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. With your hosts, Ben Hart and Zach Arnold. Co-starring you, the fans. Sponsored by Channel 1138. everyone to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through Podbean and iTunes and Google Play and however you experience podcasts. We don't care how you do it as long as you're here, you're with us, you're listening, and we love you, and we appreciate you because we have another awesome episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking some more Harry Potter. Yes, we were actually going to be saving this for a couple months down the road, but you guys were like, no, we want it now. So, okay, we'll, 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 we'll humor you, and we'll actually do it now. So we've got another duology of awesome Harry Potter discussion. I can word sometimes. The first awesome discussion about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So we're going to be breaking that all down. And by that, I mean myself. I'm totally by myself tonight. I'm going to be just, just flapping my gums all night by myself. No, no, no. No, no. You do not want to hear that show. Please believe me. Before we get into it, allow me to introduce my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what are you doing over there? Uh, I'm pouring myself some adult beverage. So You don't need to get the... that for that's the that's the that's the crinkling and and clanking sounds that you heard in the background. Uh, that's all me. That's all my fault. I take full responsibility for that. And uh, hopefully it'll help me uh, be more enthusiastic about this discussion. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, maybe I should have actually had some adult beverage while watching this movie. <laughs> that may have helped a little bit. Uh, but no, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this movie. I'm excited to continue this saga. Like you said, the the fans spoke the listeners spoke and we are responding by continuing this we were actually supposed to discuss uh the first of a uh, middle earth trilogy discussing the new hobbit films and we have yeah. pushed that back into the summer because people wanted to talk harry potter so guess what we are going to talk harry potter and i'm looking forward to talking about it tonight i'm looking forward to goblet of fire next week it's going to be fun but uh you know this is just probably too big of a discussion for two people to talk about on their mm -hmm. own. So, uh, you know, this entire trip to Hogwarts that we've had in 2018 has had one steady, consistent voice with us throughout. And maybe that voice will continue throughout the rest of all our discussions pending availability, but we're excited to have him back on tonight. It is the one, the only all the way from Toronto, Canada and the star Wars underworld. It's Mr. Dominic Jones. Hey guys, thanks for having me, me back, and I just have to say right off the top, I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. That, that made me drink. 
Oh, really? Oh, oh wow. No. It's going to be one of those oh, kind of shows. Dude, I have discovered the wonders of this one particular adult beverage, and I'm being intentionally vague just for our underage listeners. Do not partake of anything if you are under the age of 21. Please, for yeah, goodness sakes, they'll find drink out responsibly. <laughs> they'll find out drink, someday. Re- drink, drink responsibly. But once you are old enough to partake, oh my goodness, Gentleman Jack. Oh my goodness. So much better than straight up regular sour mash. I'm just, I'm in heaven right now. Mm-mm-mm. It's good stuff. I did try something last weekend though. So usually whiskey is around 35 to 40% uh, alcoholic content. I tried a whiskey last weekend that was 50%. Wow. And it went straight to my head. I didn't realize we were talking about Harry Potter and the alcoholic beverages. I didn't, I, I thought we were here for Prisoner of Azkaban. Maybe. I mean, you, you it, it, they kind of go together because Maybe. you need alcoholic beverages to endure Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Okay. Or do you? Enough, or enough. You? Okay, save it for the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Harry we po- have <laughs> Harry Potter and the AA meeting. Damn. <laughs> Shots fired. That hurt, man. You deserved it, all right? We have another guest on the line with us. Since we are continuing this discussion, we wanted to get even more voices in on this. So we get a little help from our friends at the Star Wars Wastelands podcast. He's been on the show many, many times. You've heard him here before, and you'll hear him probably many, many more times after this. But we got him here tonight. It's McMahon. How you doing, man? Well, I'm, I'm much better. You know, you guys relegated me to Azkaban for the first two episodes, but I'm I'm glad to be out on the loose for this one. Mm, You've been freed, good. my friend. Yeah, all the Dementors have gone to McMahon, bother. All, McMahon is a free elf. All, all the Dementors have gone to bother Zach now, obviously. Cause... Well, yeah, <laughs> rightly so. Well, you know what? Actually, I'm not sure. Did Dementors go after you when you're soulless? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that may be. <laughs> Oh my! You've got soulless me, and then you got a ginger on the other end of the line. We just don't have souls on the IPC podcast, do we? McMahon, I think nope. we better be. I think we need to to stage a coup here and and take over this. I, I do. I think a coup is in order here. I I just I can't even, man. I mean, I said it before we went on the air. I can't even with you, Zach, and we hadn't even started yet. Now I can't you're, even again. You're as bad as that those Damon and Sequel fellas. Jeez, <laughs> trying to take over our show. Yeah, I still haven't listened to that episode. I probably need to go back and see how they did. It's it's quite entertaining for someone who's never watched Frasier. I'm just getting started on it. I am into season two now. I wow. finished I finished The Office. I finished Parks and Rec. I needed another sitcom. How I Met Your Mother wasn't on Netflix, so I went to Frasier. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny, but I'm hoping it gets even funnier. Should be watching. That, uh, Everybody should be watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. If you're looking for a sitcom, that should be. I it. concur. Have, but is it on Netflix? It is in it's Canada. On Netflix in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know if it is in here. I know New Girl just added a new season to our Netflix, and I've been finishing that up. Uh, season seven starts, and it's their last season, and I'm sad. I, I am a combination of. Nick Miller and Chandler Bing from Friends. I really think that Nick Miller from New Girl and and Chandler Bing 
from Friends are my two sitcom spirit animals. So if you've ever seen those two shows, that is basically the embodiment of who I am. Huh. All right. I'm a, I'm a Jim Halpert, Ron Swanson. <laughs> That's kind of a scary combination. <laughs> not going to lie. A libertarian that pulls pranks on people. That, that is dangerous. Oh, that's really dangerous. <laughs> wow. Wow. Ben, who are, who are you? What, what sitcom characters are you, are you an amalgamation, amalgamation of? I have, I, I need, I guess I need to take one of those online tests to yeah. find out exactly. They're not um, entirely cause... accurate. I, I did one. <laughs> it, 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 it told me I was uh, Tom Haverford and Pam. I will. Mm. What? <laughs> I don't see that at all. <laughs> wow. I don't, oh my gosh. Um, right? Like it, it doesn't... It, no. Okay, based off of the shows that we have seen, what kind of personas would we give to Ben, though? Like, Yeah, you, t- you, tell, me. you tell me. Ben's hmm. a Toby. <laughs> it's Toby. Oh, no, oh, no. Man, that's such a He's... sad thing to say. But I guess that's better than being a Gabe, right? It better than being a Gabe, yeah. That is better than being a Gabe. But is it better? See, than I have being no Jerry? idea what you're talking about, Nozzle. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's let's... the question. Would you rather be a, a, a? Would you rather be Gabe or Jerry? Oh, Jerry. You'd rather Absol- be Jerry? Absolutely, Jerry. By he does have the hot wife. By a million miles, he's got the abnormally large. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> And he's got the super hot wife and the amazing family. And he loves his job and he's super enthusiastic about it, even though he gets picked on. Like, he's just got this super happy-go-lucky lifestyle. And he got to be mayor, for crying out loud. For like Gabe 50 never did, years. Gabe never did any of those things. No, he didn't. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to startle you all with that. But I remember very so vividly watching this episode where everybody was getting checked for mumps. And... Instead of getting checked for mumps, the doctor was just like, I had no idea whether he had mumps or not because I was too distracted by his abnormally large. I was like, okay. Why why are you bleeping it now? You already said it once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Because I'm because I'm catching myself. Okay. now I'm now I'm now I'm realizing what I said and I'm regretting it. So I'm fixing it. It, it's official, ladies and gentlemen. He's drunk. <laughs> I had it took a, once, it only took. I had one shot. Yeah, yeah. that's what, that's all it took. Obviously. Oh, no. no, obviously not. You're a lightweight it's, tonight. Zach's a lightweight. It has it has livened my mood, and I'm a little bit more excited to talk about Harry Potter now. Only yes, slightly. yes, Harry Potter. Let's get back on that topic, <laughs> shall we? Because that's kind of why we're here. That's kind of what people are are listening to this show for. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> whatever that means whatever that means prisoner of azkaban so we're we're three films into this franchise and at least at least me and zach are you guys on the other side of the table are diehard fans yeah I, actually we got your background very much dominic yeah only for a big man what is your i feel like this is a very broad question i'm trying to simplify it what is your like favorite memory of harry potter something like did you watch it growing up like was this a big thing for you oh it was definitely a big thing for me it didn't start out that way though like the first film came out and ended up my brother got it for me for christmas and on vhs 
and from there it blossomed uh it turned into a beautiful thing for a few years i uh i got to, i went to see uh chamber prisoner of azkaban and the goblet of fire all uh, on a date uh, separate dates obviously since they were years apart but it, just one really long date just, it was just one really long day, or it was a date with the same person. It, it so. was, in fact, with the same person. Okay, actually, congratulations. Yeah, then you wouldn't say that if you saw how it ended. Oh, See, I have been through that, one, man. That is a that is yeah. a pain I can definitely share in. Oh, I, I could uh, I could tell you some stories that would actually make you go, dude, that's rough. But that that that's an off air story, not an on air story. <laughs> Fair enough. But. You know, it was a big thing for me. I saw them all in the theater up until uh, the 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 smoke and the fire, and then I just couldn't. I saw one after that, and I just couldn't do it anymore because it was depressing in theater. So it uh, it kind of mellowed out for me in the middle. So as far as theater, just out, of, just out of curiosity, was this the franchise that altered your perception of seeing movies in the theater in general? Because I know now you're very selective about that kind of process. No, Sage kind of ruined that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it, it, the last time, him and I, there was a period there for a couple of years where we just go see all sorts of movies and theaters together. Um, and, and then he decided we were going to go see the new Nightmare on Elm Street oh. film. Oh, dear. And not only was it a crappy movie... But we had quite possibly the worst seats in the theater mm. to top it all off. So that just kind of front row uh, corner, front section corner. Yeah, it was, it was I, like I third row back, third row. I, I can't left. sit. I, I can't sit in that front section. I've got to be behind that middle aisle, like that middle walkway. Because I saw Civil War in the second row, left-hand side, and my neck hurt from trying to see what was going on. I just couldn't deal. But no, I mean, bring it back to Potter. It, uh, it's a thing for me. I love the movies, and then finally I read all of the books. And I it, it opened my world, because they're so different. A whole new world. I, I was singing that a few times, and then I just looked up at my screen next time I watched the movies, and I said, where the hell is Peeves? That's all I wanted to see. <laughs> excellent, excellent question. Excellent question. So, so, you, so you saw the movies first, is what you're saying, McMahon? I saw most of the movies first. Okay. Uh, I read the books after... Uh, it would have either been after Order of the Phoenix or after Half-Blood Prince. Okay. So I had read all the books up until Deathly Hollows by the time the Deathly Hollows book came out. Uh-huh. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, what is what is your perception on books versus movie? Cuz I think we asked Dominic that towards the top of our discussion a couple of movies ago. Where where's the overlap and and where's the the distance in your opinion? I mean, reading the books and watching the movies, are there stories that I definitely would have had in the films that weren't in there? Yeah, Peeves is of course the big one. Uh-huh. Like there were so many parts in the films where it's like Peeves' scene would have been so much better here because he was he was the ghost that moved the story forward a lot, and him and the Bloody Baron were big parts of the books. And I, I don't even think the Bloody Baron was in the movies. 
No, I don't. No, I don't think he even got mentioned. I, I think you saw him once, like in a background, but you never actually saw him mentioned by name or anything. And and you know those were those were characters that I wanted to see. But you know things like, uh, like Percy's love story. I didn't yes. care that that wasn't in the movies. <laughs> I mean, it was good in the books because it kept I, things going. I explained had, certain things, like why Percy was out in the halls in the middle yeah. of the movie. I, I for, in this one, I forgot about that 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 aspect of it. And when I was rereading Chamber of Secrets for Chamber of Secrets for the Chamber of Secrets episode, yeah, I came across a part of that, and I was like, "Did I just miss a very? Did I just miss a very adult joke in the, in these?" <laughs> Uh, because I, I thought it was implying something else, and then it's later revealed to be much more PG friendly. But I thought, I thought JK was really implying that Percy was doing something else at one point. But anyway, that's not to here quote nor there. George Takei. Oh my! Yeah. Yep. I, I basically, as I was reading it, I had to put it down and Google it to make to, to find out what happened because I'm like, I can't be the only person <laughs> that thought this. I'm gonna bet your Google looked weird when you, was... you typed "Is Percy a drug addict?" Because <laughs> <laughs> not... that's the only thing I can imagine you thought. Oh, that's not actually what I thought. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's much Ooh. more. It's much more in line with what Zach said. <laughs> Let's not go there tonight. <laughs> oh my! So wiggity swooty, coming for that booty. <laughs> yeah, let me let me just put it this way. It wasn't actually all that far off what he was actually doing. It's just far more adult. Right. Yeah. You, you, well you then. Put put the pieces together. Put the pieces together. I'd rather so, not. <laughs> so Dominic, while we're on the subject, yeah. what are your what are your overall impressions of this specific film? Specific film. Well, you know, I wasn't surprised when I got the Facebook message from Zach saying, I didn't like this one. And I wasn't surprised when you said that. Hold you on, didn't really hold on, hold on. That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are putting words in my text message. But say it ain't true though. Say it ain't true. I, okay, okay. I will admit it's probably lower than what I was even expecting. But all I said was, and I quote, Something tells me you guys are going to hate me tonight. Should yeah, be I was, fun. I was paraphrasing. <laughs> End quote. End quote. All right. Well, anyways, I, I'm not surprised that people maybe don't have the most favor, favorable opinion of this one. It is one that people either love or hate. It's it's either your favorite or your least favorite. That's maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but it, it, it does kind of, it's one that I feel like people's opinions tend to swing a lot more. Mm. Um, for me, I, I, I do obviously with, as with all of these uh, books and films, I really, really enjoy prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I probably rank it a little bit lower just because I, I you know, there's, there's stuff that's, that's coming up that I really, really enjoy. And I, I feel like, you know this this movie this story is kind of a turning point both in terms of of how dark the stories get and this is sort of the end of the introduction you know this is sort of the by this point uh you know the, the next book is really where you have a game changing moment and and things 
things are never the same after that. Whereas for the first three books, three, three stories, uh, you know, it, they, there's an adventure, but by the end of it, things are more or less the same. Uh, that's not the case from here on out. So in, in a way, it's kind of it's kind of trapped in that spot of it's it's the one before everything really hits the fan um and and so it it doesn't quite doesn't quite rank as highly for me but there's still a ton in here that i love and uh, i'm looking forward to talking about those things as well as the other things with you guys yeah can i can i ask you a question and then if it's too spoilerific just say the word spoilers okay the the biggest complaint well one of the biggest complaints that i have about this particular movie and and the way that they carry the story is that a lot of it feels very tropey almost. Mm. And, and a lot of that can be through some of the very specific elements that we'll talk about that are spoilers for this movie. But the one thing is I know it's a school of magic and you're (laughs) supposed to be learning magic yeah, but it feels like sometimes the stuff either gets recycled or it gets overdone. Do we really ever get to a place where it feels like magic is a bit more commonplace? Because right now it just feels rather exaggerated. And I'm I was I was more or less looking forward to a world or a sensation of seeing magic as something that just happens at least even from the teachers but it just feels like a lot of the magic in this movie and even to to an extent from the previous movies felt very forced and i'm just not a fan of forced magic i guess it just something about it felt kind of off-putting i don't even know if that accurately describes the way i felt i'm not really sure if i know what you mean because okay, so 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 for example, let's let's say the invisibility cloak uh-huh. makes another appearance. Yeah, can't we do something different? Can't we find another way to solve our problems without hiding underneath the invisibility cloak for a third consecutive time? Or perhaps maybe we find something else to do with our time instead of looking at tea leaves. Can can we please see something a little more tangible as far as the world of magic is concerned? Can we please see the teachers performing magic as if it's commonplace? Because there's this huge taboo about not letting magic naturally occur in the muggle world. And Harry is very on edge about anything magic-related happening outside of Hogwarts. But then when we see it naturally occurring by accident mm-hmm. in the muggle world, that felt the most natural. His anger brought on that spout, that bit of magic that proved to be very cool looking. And then it's almost like everybody's practicing restraint at Hogwarts, which is the one place that magic is supposed to be safe. Why does everybody look like they're holding back on their use of magic? And why do the students look like they are struggling so much when they're in their third year there? Well, I mean, well, for one, I don't know if they're really, I mean, when we, we, I don't know if they're really struggling so much. I mean, the divination stuff is is not very well translated from the book. Uh, And and 
in in and I think in the books you get a little bit more of this stuff that 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 that, that you're looking for, Zach. Of of it's a little bit more commonplace. It feels like there's a little bit more of a progression, and I think we see that a little bit in this movie with the Bogart scene, where you know everybody gets up and they do the they do the ridiculous spell, and you know it's kind of shows that they are coming along. It's not you know it's not a struggle to lift a feather anymore, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I will say we we do in in future books and future movies. I keep saying books. I'm used to talking about the Potter series as, as books, but in, in future future movies, you do go to locations that are more uh, wizard centric and adult wizard centric. Um, and like we go to the Ministry of Magic in in future stories, um, and that's where you do see magic is much much more commonplace. Uh, the beginning of Goblet of Fire. You know, this isn't really a spoiler spoiler to say they go to the Quidditch World Cup, uh, where which is just a gathering of wizards, and so you see some some more commonplace magic in there. Um, right. So, so I think you do get a, a little bit of that. I think you know it's a school; people are learning new things, and so there's always going to be that sort of feeling of you're trying something out for the first time, and and it's it's very rare that the that a student is going to get something right on the first time. We're not all Hermione's, is what I what I'm saying. You know, Hermione can get well, it right. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Harry's tutoring session involving the Bogart also proved that. I, I'm I'm not necessarily complaining as much about the students. Like, I get that they're not going to have it come to them completely naturally. That's why it's a school, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the most commonplace magic that I saw the whole movie was when they were using their wands as flashlights. Right. Well, like, and, and, I mean, we, you, we saw some some of that in, in the previous movies. Like, you know, we saw Dumbledore, you know, reveal the feast using magic. We saw him change the banners using magic. Uh, when we were at the Weasley, uh, the borough exactly. at the Weasley house, you saw it, that. And I think yes. this with this movie, it's just a function of we don't go to a ton of locations that are – uh, outside the school, we really, really, we just go to Hogsmeade. And again, comparing book to movie, we don't spend nearly as much time in Hogsmeade uh, in in the in in the movie as you do in the book. And and so there's 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 a lot there, there's more commonplace stuff when you get to those locations that are outside the school. But I think this one is just so Hogwarts centric that you, you everything still feels very extreme and over the top. At, well, at I times. mean, even even in Philosopher's Stone, during the Quidditch match, there are spells and counter spells being cast in order to try and help the players and keep them from injury and such. Right, and we but, see that in this one. Dumbledore saves Harry from his fall at, at the very, very last second. Yes, right. And, and like, but the thing I, about the thing about the Quidditch match in, in Philosopher's Stone is like Quirrell is trying to kill Harry. Like usually people don't interfere with Quidditch that way. <laughs> And the only reason right, the right, snake, right. snake, snake, Snape is doing his uh, his counter curse in response to what Quirrell is doing, like it's that's not how none of these Quidditch matches go the way Quidditch matches are supposed to go for right? the most part. Right. <laughs> and again, funny. A little bit of little bit of book book movie stuff in the books. You get some more proper Quidditch matches, if I remember correctly. So elaboration you know. on them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McMahon, but, uh, any, any any thoughts on on my complaints, or are they even justified, even a little bit? From a strictly film standpoint, I can see where you're coming from, because they don't spend much time in the classrooms. They don't spend much time learning. 
and teaching these things outside of divination where mm-hmm. they spend a good chunk of this film and yet still manage to miss about three quarters of the divination story from the book mm-hmm. and you know that that's where you you see it is, is in the learning that's where you see the kids learn their magic and and progress and yeah we're third year now and you know the thing about magic is you have to be either the guy reading the Stephen Hawking book or an extremely proficient wizard to be able to do magic without your wand. Uh-huh. And that that's something we don't see. The, you know, they're not running around with their wands outside of the class. You know, they keep them in their cloaks and hidden. And so that's why you don't see much magic outside the classroom because they just don't have the wand. Yeah. They don't have their wand out. And, and again, when we get to places like the Ministry for Magic, you <clears throat> really do. That's where you see... Everyday more magical magic. ephemera yeah and and mm-hmm. and when again same thing like at the borough that's where you see that sort of thing and and um when when we get to grimmauld place down the line yeah. there's a little bit there's a little bit more there um so it it the, the, what you're what you're raising it's, it's not something i'd ever really it's as ever sort of come up as an issue as that i've thought when i've been thinking about these stories but but it is something that yeah, it it does sort of evolve into a little bit more where we see the adult wizarding world, and it's much more of the, you know, what what you're what you're looking for. Yeah, Zach. Yeah. So in so in the context of this film, again, like you were saying, being a buffer, being kind of a, a middle film between that stage of learning and that stage of facing the darkness that is still yet to come. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of this odd mixture of neither for me when it really should have been an interesting mixture of both, where we're seeing the kids, the the students, performing some of the spells that have become second nature to them because they've had almost three years to practice them, and a a situation where they're learning a bit more, and situations where we're seeing the professors doing stuff more commonplace. I mean, Dumbledore turning a candle off and on again is nice and all that, but it's a fleeting moment in a two-hour-plus movie. And when the movie is supposed to be so centric on the learning and the use and the responsible application of magic, and you don't really see a lot of responsible application from the professors, and you don't see a whole lot of practical learning and putting to use from the students, it almost, it borderline almost doesn't even feel like a magic movie to begin with. So, so basically, what you're saying, Zach, is I want more magic in my magic movie. <laughs> I mean, long story short, yeah. If they're going to be learning about magic, let's watch them learn magic. If they're going to be taking what they learn and applying it to their lives, let's see them do that. And if they're going to be learning from people who are experienced in magic, let's see what kind of experience they've got. I don't feel like that's too much to ask. Yeah, I, I don't know if I totally agree. I think some of the some of the few things that I liked about this movie were the big magic moments um that magic moments ha <laughs> um but uh, ooh. yeah um so but I I did I mean I don't know it's 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 your I think for this and like I said I haven't seen the rest of the movie so I don't know but I would think the magic kind of is not the backdrop, but a part of the process, and you're more focusing on the characters. And this is more maybe a maybe a character movie in a sense. And 
you're you have you, the first two films going to establish that hey they're going to class they're doing this and then that's just going to fade into the background. You're getting more into okay what's going on internally with Harry, what's going on internally with Ron, all these characters, and how they're interacting with these other characters. So I understand how like some of that stuff wouldn't be at the forefront all the time because that's not the whole point. It's about the characters. And and, and to be fair, we do see that the, the idea of, you know, the, the characters learning magic from these experienced wizards and then, you know, applying it later on with the whole uh, Patronus lessons that, that Harry gets right. from Lupin. They are, that is very much, you know, Harry taking the older generation's experiences and, and, and lessons and, and applying it himself later on in a very sort of uh, literal way. Yeah, exactly. So, um, McMahon, you have yes. not talked near as much, and I, I want to give you a chance to kind of say your piece on this yeah, film. What, what's your, I'm sorry. Come on. Um, g- g- give us your kind of overall impressions of Prisoner of Azkaban. Well, Prisoner of Azkaban is, is an interesting one in the overarching story that is Harry Potter's life at Hogwarts, in that this book is almost half present half prequel uh. because while it may not show you these events you learn everything about harry's history in yeah. this novel alone and I, I dare say it's the most we ever learn in inside this saga of films you know it, you learn about his history his parentage why they were so important you learn about what happened to them in a much more literal way and and that you know it allows you to embrace the characters now this is a character movie it's not it's the slow down before we jump off the cliff because that's coming it's fast approaching Uh yeah and that's what this film needed to be it 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 told you a story and it was the first time that the events kind of pulled back you know, this was the first time that the crux of the story wasn't Voldemort. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, McMahon, but this is the this is uh, one of only two stories that don't feature Voldemort in a very present way. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean this is this is the the most so. Yeah, I this mean, is this is the you, most. You never this see is, him, you never yeah, hear you him. Yeah, barely talk about him like yeah. It's uh, but uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, but you're right though. This is the one time where Voldemort is not the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry actually gets to sit back and take a breath, or so we think, just to find out that Sirius is the big threat. To come to find, we know nothing about anything. You know, it it takes the whole story to this point and tosses it on its ear, and I loved it for that. You know, I love that this story wasn't about big bad. It wasn't about Voldemort. It was it was about a personal matter. Like this this was personal. Uh-huh. You know, if if Harry isn't told by, you know, the Weasley at the beginning that Sirius killed his parents, he doesn't care. Uh-huh. He has a year off to a certain degree. <laughs> you know, like he's got no care I mean, in the, the world. The, the Dementors are still uh, messing with him, but yeah. <laughs> but the Dementors are a problem, but I mean, they're only a little bit of a problem. Yeah. I mean, 
compared compared to the Chamber of Secrets and and all all the other stuff that's gone on in in Philosopher's Stone for sure. Exactly. I mean, he's got Lupin to take care of them on the train, Dumbledore when he's playing Quidditch, and and besides that, he's not involved in it. Uh-huh. You know, so much of it doesn't. You know, you don't have the lake. You don't have so much that you know. This is just a year for Harry to learn and kick back and relax. Yeah, like, I mean, it's like it's like, oh yeah, you're you're gonna have a year off from Voldemort, really. Like you're not gonna have to deal with him. But there is a murderer who has escaped from jail and he wants to kill you. Yeah, this is gonna be an easy year. Yeah. Well, and and, and really, the, the the stuff that Harry has to confront, it's not so much. He's not confronting a a villain in the sense of of Voldemort. You know, he's confronted. He's more being forced to confront a part of his past that is always with him and the murder of his parents. But he, now he's sort of come face to face with uh, first he thinks serious, but then later revealed to be Wormtail is actually you know somebody who is in a lot of ways responsible for well is is literally responsible for helping Voldemort kill Lily and James. So Harry is forced to, you know, test his, his morals in this one, you know, in the, in in the a last, huge way. Yeah. In the last one, you know, he, it was a, a physical challenge. It was, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and, and in this one, it's, it's not about winning a duel. It's not about fighting a giant snake with a sword. It's, it's about, uh, it's about, you know, Lupin and Sirius have the chance to kill Wormtail and Harry, chooses to do the honorable thing and you know give him his fair I, trial give him his day in, cur- in court essentially and and it kind of blows up in his face but you know i don't think that was so much what it was i don't think it was give him his day in court it was harry coming to realize that as long as the world knows peter Pettigrew is dead serious black is a wanted man and is a murderer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yeah, the but, only family he has left mm-hmm. You know, he had, yeah, sure. He's, they, before anybody says he's got the Dursleys, he, he just, he doesn't have the Dursleys. <laughs> well, he literally okay. leaves at the beginning. <laughs> like, he, he finally gets up and leaves. He packs up his trunk and goes. Yeah, uh, Sirius presents that opportunity to be in the wizarding world for the rest of his life, uh-huh. which is something he'd never had to that point. You know, it's his tether to the wizarding world, it's the tether to his parents. You know, that moment where he finds out that. You know, Sirius Black didn't just kill his parents. He's actually your godfather. It's a heartbreaking moment. Uh Like he plays that for a a kid of that age to play that scene so well, you can actually see the heartbreak Uh in his eyes. (laughs) It's like it's like The Simpsons. You can if you pause it it just the right moment, you can see when his heart breaks. (laughs) Uh, I'm a wizard. Sorry. Well, but that brings up another kind of kind of a thing where I was watching that particular scene, and he says, "If I ever come across Sirius Black, I'm going to kill him." I literally just kind of looked at him and I said, "You dunce! The last time you even had a weapon, it came out of a hat." Well, I I think it's more the let's be honest. You know, your parents are murdered. You have a chance to come face to face with the person who killed them. I'm pretty sure vengeance is going to be the first thing that crosses your mind. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's like at the beginning it's at the beginning of Batman Begins when Bruce Wayne comes back to to go to his parents' murderer's trial and he's there with the gun he's going to shoot the guy. You know, it's it's that same sort of set of emotions of 
you know, just raw anger and, and hatred and, and revenge uh, on the mind. I, I don't think it's like Harry. I don't think Harry's thinking through how I'm going to do it. It's just that state of mind of if I ever get my hands on this person, you know, so help me, I will kill him. You know, like it, it, it's it's not about literally thinking through a plot to kill Sirius Black. It's just a raw hatred of this man for what he allegedly no. did. He's right, not no. going back to his dorm and practicing the killing curse on rats and things he finds strewn about Hogwarts. Yeah. Now, do we ever... Is it ever explicitly said why he wants to kill Harry? What, Sirius? Why Sirius? No, yeah, Sirius. Sirius doesn't want to kill Harry. The, the point they try to get across isn't uh, that... It, everyone thinks that Sirius killed Lillian James. That he, yeah, so that they he, assume... Yeah. That he was, you know, it's it's thought that he was Voldemort's right hand. Yeah, you know, he was the next man in power, well, it, and it was yeah, Harry it, Potter. Was, yeah, from from what I saw, Ben Sirius was wrongly imprisoned. Yeah, from the from the get. Well, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get and, that. And so everybody's assumptions about why he's escaped is therefore drawn by the conclusion of why he was imprisoned in the first place. But nobody knows he was wrongly imprisoned. It's the so, Kylo Ren principle. Everyone assumes. His plan is to finish what Voldemort started, and that's kill Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That's why. Like yeah. that, that's why. That's yeah. why they come down on but, Hogwarts. If Harry's not he, at Hogwarts, the Dementors aren't there. But when he shows up in the house, and he draws them there, the dude's like, "Okay, now here, here he is. Go ahead and kill him." No, but, he's talking about. He's talking about Pettigrew. He's talking about the rat. It's it's oh, all every it's, time every yeah. time you see that it's perfectly framed in such a way that every time you see Sirius getting angry and upset and and talking about killing him, yes, the camera is focused on Harry, but everyone forgets that Harry is standing between Ron and Hermione and Sirius and Remus. Yep, and Ron is carrying Wormtail. <laughs> he literally has Wormtail sitting on his lap. Yeah, it's the whole point. you're meant to forget that Ron is there. Yeah. Like the book does a much better job of reminding you that all the way through. Yeah. But the film doesn't. The film just pulls you out of that moment to make you to make the reveal that much more. Oh, my God. Yeah. I that, The whole reveal of and, and the way it's played when Lupin shows up and you think that Lupin was ha, has betrayed Harry as well is basically you think Lupin is is on Sirius's side which is technically true but you think that Sirius is there to kill Harry and and you have that conversation and you know it's it's the classic you know misunderstanding conversation where everybody's using just using pronouns so you don't know what's actually going on um but i that reveal you know i remember that in the book and and the, you know even watching it now i still think it's it's done so well it's it's not the most original idea ever but it's it's executed very very well and and is in my opinion was very effective i will say i will be completely honest here i watched the scene through twice i didn't get it really it did not hit me i was confused i'm like okay they're they were talking about killing him and now they're buddies now what's the deal um i of course i got that Pettigrew was the dude, but it didn't hit me in the connection that the whole time they knew that the whole time, it, you know, that I guess that that was the misconnection for me. It, it's purely played on the fact if you don't notice Remus's reaction 
when Harry asks him about Peter Pettigrew and says he saw him on the map, mm-hmm. if you don't notice that moment, like it, the film does obviously a much better job of it than the book because you can actually see the reaction. But when you see that reaction of of Remus, that excuse me, that that look of pure shock, it doesn't really translate until you see that later, and then you get that oh. He figured it out. Yeah, Ben, I think what we really need to do is we need to go back and watch the hallway scene in the movie and not watch the scene that's in the shack. Because if you're if you go back and watch the hallway scene, I distinctly remember this because I couldn't figure out if Pettigrew was invisible and it was or if it was his ghost or something like that. But there was a reason why we couldn't see Pettigrew and it was because he wasn't taking on human form. Right. But right. if you're listening, you're not watching, but you're listening. Harry, at some instances, is standing still, and yet there's still the pitter-patter of feet. Mm-hmm. It was a rat running by him, and he wasn't looking down at the floor, and Pettigrew went right by him. Yep. Right. Yeah, that, may, that makes total sense. And, really, I mean, really brilliant that, I mean the brat was there the whole time yeah. <laughs> and even yeah, i think he was in the first two movies yeah, so he was, he was, like it, I, I love the i love the serious like yeah 12 years that's a long time for a rat to live like of course that's true that's true like by that logic that rat shouldn't be alive no you, you never think about those things until you actually get through it but the, the things for me that, that bug me were the things that i never noticed until you know, after you see the Marauder's map and the powers that it wields, it's not until you find out, and I don't think it was actually ever in any of the books, when you find out that the twins have had that since their first year, Wait, I, I want to say it was a tweet from JK. You, you'd probably know better than I would, Dom. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I always assumed they had it for a while, but I... I, I, I know it was never in any of the books yeah. or anything like that. It was extra material. I can't remember if it was a Pottermore thing or a tweet. Yeah, but anyway, JK said that the twins had that from first year. They found it. Uh, it, it was confiscated by uh, by Filch. Uh-huh. Filch confiscated it from someone, and they confiscated it from Filch. I find myself wondering, A, how did the twins figure out how it worked? B, why did the twins never wonder who this guy named Peter Pettigrew sleeping in bed with their brother was? <laughs> and, and C... <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> and C, how does nobody notice Voldemort following Quirrell around all year? Those are just the questions I have afterwards. And they're, they're the, you know, the, you add in this powerful thing later. And if it had just found out that the twins just found it that year, then okay, that's not so big a deal. But they've had this in their possession for three years. And, and and nobody stopped to ask why Peter Pettigrew was sleeping with their brother every night. Like, it's a little... I mean, it, it makes huh. you wonder how they thought about Ron. Yeah, well... <laughs> I they, they do seem very surprised when he, uh, when he winds up with Hermione. Spoiler. So, well... <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. I, I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that for the you know for those listeners who might be going on the trek with Zach and Ben that may not know that. Not that Fair anyone enough. does, but you know, yeah, you never know. Yeah. If, yeah, if we're, you we're didn't kinda, know that, oops. Yeah, don't we're, we're kind of yeah, we're, we're kind of late to the party. Let's be honest. These movies have been out <laughs> for several years, and this is this is part of what makes it so fun. Is like I'm looking at at uh, 
our friend Katie in the chat, and we were talking about the uh, the use of the invisibility cloak several minutes ago. And <laughs> she she put in the chat, she goes, Zach, quote, Harry uses the invisibility cloak too much, end quote. And then she goes, me, knowing he has five more movies to go. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there. With, when, okay. when you're sitting there saying that, I'm sitting there thinking, yep, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, I, it's things. I, I did a little research on on this whole you know Fred and George map thing. So I can't quite find where it says they found it. it they, they got it in first year, but in terms of how they knew to open it, in an interview in 2005, J.K. Rowling said, um, "This does sound glib, but don't you think that's a that's quite a Fred and George's thing to say in jest, and then to see this thing transform? You know, like that would be such a surprise." To you them. know what? Actually, I can, I can, I as far as responses go, I can buy that. Yeah, I, I can. Buy I can that. buy that. Yeah, yeah. Now, as for why they, uh, what they thought of Ron, well, you know, that's a that's an IPC after dark question right there. <laughs> Hey, that is one of the many things I wish we could expand upon. Like, we've got a lot of different projects and, and things in the works for IPC, but, you know, I would love to do, like, like a R-rated IPC, almost. Where I, I, I'd like about... to see that. I'd like to see that just to hear Ben talk R-rated. <laughs> like, it's... Forget I mean, everybody else. I mean, Zach, I've heard you get R-rated. Dom, I've heard you get R-rated. You guys have heard me get R-rated, but Ben! Ben getting like, R-rated yeah, is like a... Yeah. We, had a... Like we actually have to put an explicit tag on the podcast so that people know, okay, you've got to be careful and you got to know exactly what you're walking into. Because, I mean, <laughs> Katie just put in the chat, she wants to hear Kill Bill on the R-rated IPC. <laughs> I want to talk about Deadpool. I want to talk about Orange is the New Black. I want to talk about Game of Thrones. I got stuff that is beyond our PG slash PG-13 quota here on IPC that I want to talk about. And I don't know, maybe we call it RIPC or something like that. <laughs> That's That sounds like a show hosted by ghosts. It would be. It'd be pretty cool. We'd have like a ghoulish intro and... You know, we could just be off the hook and just be completely unfiltered. We had it, one of those. It would be. It would be called It would be called inappropriate peace coalition. Oh, that would be interesting. Except, that is, that is a good one. except we'd be using the same acronym. That's why I put the RIPC in there because then you kind of have like a way of distinguishing. But I see you where go. you're coming. I see where yeah, you're. And coming. especially the way the way uh, Katie posted in the chat, it's RIPC. <laughs> so mm. that makes it much more apparent. That, yeah, everyone uh, yeah, would just yes. call you the Rest in Peace Council. Yeah, <laughs> the Rest, rest in, in, I mean, in Peace Coalition. cast. Is that a? I mean, is that all such a bad name for a podcast? I don't know. I don't know. It I, sounds. It sounds like a show that's uh, you know uh, that's about memorial memorializing somebody whose name started with C. So <laughs> I have to kill I, somebody. Am I, am I the only one who's seen RIPD? Like yes, this, yes. This, this, Kind of already a thing, probably. Yeah, it's a Ryan Reynolds movie, guys. Come on. The only Ryan Reynolds movie I have seen is Deadpool. That that can't Same. be accurate. That can't Same. be right. <laughs> I saw Green Lantern. Does that count? Uh, I wish I could forget it. I but think I saw he it. specifically said in Deadpool that that doesn't count. Whew. <laughs> 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 I want a Green Lantern reboot, and I want it with Isaiah Washington playing 
the role of John. Mm. Yeah. He and he has expressed interest in that as well. And the more I see the comparisons, the more interested I get. Well, you need to you so. need to hang on to that thought. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get to ask him about that sometime. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Yeah, we are actually in negotiations to talk to Mr. Washington himself here on the show. So we we may get to ask him in person. I don't know. We're still we're still negotiating. But uh, yeah, I agree with that sentiment. That's that's potentially on the horizon. So we'll see. But I'm more uh, the Idris Elba for John Camp. But hey, I got no beef with Isaiah. Uh, I can I can see Elba. The problem is he's just so busy. Can you pull him aside for something like that? Right now, the only gig Isaiah's got is the hundred, and he's already finished filming season five, so he's kind of in between gigs. I don't know. Idris found time to do the Dark Tower. He can find time to do Green Lantern. Oh God, <laughs> what was the Dark Tower even? It was it was ten years of hype followed by three hours of letdown. So basically, you know what? That's an IPC uh, after dark joke. I'm not going to make it here. The, the best, oh the best thing. But I'll let you guys imagine what I was going with that. Oh my! We'll have to. Well, at some point when we run out of things to talk about, which I mean, Never. it's gonna it. it I mean, it, it's, it's gonna if we're doing this show in our 80s, like we're gonna run you, out. Eventually, gonna count. Are gonna you kidding me? Our 517th episode is going to be about Flash Gordon. I'm just Flash. putting that out there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> or, or we're talking or about the talking original, about Avengers 19 or whatever. The original black and white Godzilla films. All I'm saying is I want to talk about zombies, all right? That's what yes. I want to do. I want a yes. terrible movie arc where we're going to devote a whole year to just watching terrible movies. I'm I refuse, oh my gosh. I have already been forced to watch that movie once in my <laughs> lifetime. I refuse. I refuse to ever do it again. I took I took a screenshot of that message that you sent me after you finished watching it for the first time. When I asked you for a rebate, you said and I quote Will you be reimbursing me these ninety minutes of my life back? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Zombies needs to be the first RIPC episode. Yes, because I don't think I'd, I'd do that. I'd do that because everything I'm, I have to say about that show is R-rated. I'm not sure you can properly express your opinion on that movie without expl- expletives. Yeah, I concur. Yes. Yep. Yes, that's very true. Even okay. I could find a reason to do to to, <laughs> to to shout to to drop some f bombs on that. Okay, but oh, at the same time, has to happen now. Has to it happen. is now a thing that we talk about because we made that memory together. <laughs> we we all suffered through that <laughs> around the same time. Like when I watched it again for Phantom Fraternity with you, Fizz, so or you when s- I watched it with you guys. Have all you seen in the that same movie three room. times now, Zach? I believe I have. Oh, God, you really are God. insane. <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> Do you know that? I have three my times. moments. Three times? I, I can't imagine my... watching it a second time. Here's here's the deal. That movie, I believe, is actually a derivative of one of my other favorite <laughs> B-horror movies that we also need to discuss on RIPC, which is Zombievers. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember you pitching that for fandom. I, I, I said, I'm going to be sick that day. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is one of the best bad movies I've ever seen. It's worse than Sharknado. Any of them. 
I don't know. And the, he, in the first in the first Sharknado, a dude gets eaten by a flying shark and then chainsaws his way out of the shark. So so good. When I tell you when I tell you Zombievers is bad, it's bad. <laughs> good grief. Good grief. It, it's really it's really really bad. But going back to a movie that is slightly better. I don't know how slightly I, better. I, <laughs> whoa, whoa, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> Maybe it's, yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm actually kind of hyped about that show. I am really intrigued by what they do with this Lost in Space Netflix series. Yeah, I'm too. I'm I'm curious. I am curious. But one thing that I'm also curious about is out of the new characters that we are introduced to in this movie, which one did you guys enjoy the most? Ben, I'm going to toss it to you because this is your first time seeing it. And, and, yeah, out we of, actually haven't. Out of, sorry, sorry, Zach. We actually haven't heard what Ben thinks of the movie. <laughs> I'll I'll include it with this. I'll include because it actually ties together. Um, We're I, over an hour into the show, guys. So I mean, we've got to <laughs> we've got to go sometime. Right, right, right. So my probably my favorite character. I mean. Not not necessarily a surprise here. Serious Black. I going into this movie, I was like, okay, Gary Oldman's in this movie. I I know just periphery for peripherally, I can words sometimes, um, that uh, you know I, I knew he was going to be in this movie. I knew he was going to be playing Serious Black. So I'm like, okay, that sounds really interesting. I was excited about watching this movie, and then more than halfway through, I haven't actually seen Serious Black in this movie. I'm like, what is going on here i mean once you got to him it's great but you don't really see him and i know yes he apparently comes back at some point in this movie series but you know like that's one of my kind of sort of criticisms is like you know i wanted more of that character i wanted to see him more and you know kind of his presence and kind of through the first half of this movie other than other than the dementors and stuff like that like kind of bored me it's kind of a you know it's kind of a slow paced and you know i don't know like you said it is this i'm sure this is going to change as as mcmahon said like this is a kind of a slowdown before you get into the real fast paced and the heavy stuff in these upcoming films and i'm really looking forward to that but for this particular film it you know it didn't grab me as well as even the first two films um, and it was due to the fact that, you know, I kind of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm interested in what's going on with Sirius Black. I'm interested in the story. Get to it. I'm kind of interested in this. And I, I did enjoy, um, you know, the other characters. I, I, I really liked, um, you know, Lupin. I really liked, you know, all of what was going on with him and, and his kind of having a teacher that what that seemed very, you know, at least seemed you know, like he wasn't evil, like he was actually a, a good dude or, or wasn't a fraud like the last guy. Like he was legitimately pers- legitimate person who was trying to help Harry. And that was very awesome to see. And that was one of the enjoyable things in the first half of the movie. And it, and it does come to fruition. And But overall, yeah, I was a bit disappointed. And some of that was the fact that the scene in the house confused the hell out of me. And yes, that's p- kind of on me. But it's still... Like and there's some other things that are just like okay that's this and that's this but you know the ending is great I, I really like that I really like time travels always you say time travel I'm in so I like that aspect but overall not my favorite Harry Potter films apart 
Well, let me, let me let me just say this, Ben. If you're worried about um, if you found this one to be a bit slow, and you're worried about pacing. Um, this book, the um, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, is about 317 pages long, and the movie is 142 minutes. <laughs> wow. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The film is 157 minutes, and the book is 636 pages. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> keep that in wow. mind next time around. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get there, but yeah. Things, That's interesting. Things, things, things move. The movies start moving at a much faster clip from here on out. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like This hasn't shaken my faith in the franchise. It's just like It's just kind of a it's a low point, and hopefully it's the the all-time low. Like, I don't hate the movie, but it's like I wasn't as enthused with this one as I was with the other two. I, I enjoyed Philosopher's Stone. I really enjoyed Chamber of Secrets, and, you know, it kind of took a, took a dip from me here. But, you know, hopefully next week I'll, uh, I'll enjoy that one a lot more. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Totally Boy, fair. the confidence here. Jeez, you already set well, me you, up. No, you've, you've just – I just have no faith in you guys anymore. I can't trust you to, to appreciate art. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> I mean there. some things are a Mona Lisa and some things are a Picasso. It's just about how Absolutely. you receive it and how you interpret it and what kind of context but, you have. But, the, but, the, but Zach, the response to The Last Jedi has taught me one thing. Art is objective – uh, there's no room for opinions. It's either one thing or the other. It's either the worst movie or the best movie. There is no in between. There's no sub. Art is not subjective anymore. It's objective. And you are wrong, and I am right, 100 percent of the time. No, no, don't do never question my opinion. Ever. And if 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 I, if I dare question, if you dare question my opinion, well, you're just a shill, <laughs> or. Yeah. You're either a you're either a shill or a hater. Yeah, there is no in between. Yep. What is this? What would this be? If you if you if you if you, what are you a, a, a this is turning... Harry Potter Paramount shill or Warner or, Brothers or, or J.K. Rowling shill or whatever? I don't know been... what 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 kind of derogatory it... terms do they have in the Harry Potter it would universe? Have been, it would have been so much better if they'd let Zack Snyder finish his <laughs> finish the movie. <laughs> This Our Lord turned, and Savior, Zack Snyder. This has turned into some sort of weird performance art piece between Ben and I just <laughs> acting out the internet with no emotion. Mm. Um, the internet has emotion? Someone well, save us from this. Yeah. Zach, get us back on track. I really don't know how anymore. <laughs> Ask the next person who their favorite new character was. Mm-hmm. DJ Crazy Train in the house. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. Uh, well, Fizz and I, I'm going to give I'm it to you because you seem very not... enthusiastic about these new characters. Did you have one in particular that you enjoyed more than the others? Oh, man. This is this is a double-edged sword question because my favorite character in this film is different from who will become my favorite character of the series. One of my favorite characters of the series. It's one of those... Which balance do I need? So I'm going to go strictly off this film, and it's R.J. Lupin. Mm. I loved Remus because he was the first professor whom left at the end of the year that you actually go, no, why couldn't you stay? We actually learned something this year. Yeah, Because exactly. to this point, no Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher has taught you anything except 
how to charm yourself into forgetting everything <laughs> and how to kill yourself by grabbing someone's head. See, again, like you said, being a double-edged sword, I kind of felt the same way, but for different reasons. Because, I, like you, I was very intrigued and appreciative of what Lupin brought to the table because it looked like they were learning stuff and it looked like they actually stood something to gain. But at the same time, I had this feeling that there was something about him that he was not going to last. And when he didn't show up for his defense against the dark arts class and Snape had to fill in for him, I realized there was something off. I, like my, my spidey sense started tingling, if you will. So did you, and did you pick up on all the, like the werewolf uh, I, foresh foreshadowing? I kind of did to a certain extent. Like the, the, idea of learning the difference between the two made me feel like there are two people in the story and one of them was a werewolf and the other one was perhaps what do you what do you call them amalgus animagus animagus so i had a feeling that there was like one of each somewhere within the context of the story but we just hadn't seen them yet and perhaps <laughs> perhaps lupin was one of them <laughs> and and that's why snape was jumping so far ahead and i know i'm probably saying something that has context for some movie i haven't even no, seen yet no no I, I think i think I, i'm, I'm laughing at just, katie yeah you see so that's, that's where i'm laughing chat. At, yeah. oh okay i his, haven't opened his, up the his, chat in a few well minutes, remus so. katie points out that remus lupin <laughs> is basically a way of saying are both his names mean wolf and so she says and i quote his name is wolf wolf that's not foreshadowing that's a brick to the back of the head um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true. I mean, it's, I'll admit it's a, uh, it's the kind of thing that went right over my head as a kid. Like I didn't. Okay, think uh, at all. Katie, you want to be on Gobble of Fire? Is that what you're saying in the chat? I think that's what she's saying. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Can you handle that many people who like the movies? Yeah, we, yeah. we may have to like cycle through the voices because if we have a round table bigger than four people, it's going to get crazy up in here up in here and honestly i had no idea that harry potter was going to be this popular i knew that people had been asking for it Here, here's the deal it, it caught me completely by surprise really there's, we went I, to the bleeping theme park i i know we did i know we did but i i guess i didn't realize that this niche needed such scratching this that, I guess that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> a lot of the times what we do on IPC can feel kind of hit and miss. And if I had known that Harry Potter was going to be this involved and this comprehensive and this engaging, I never would have even suggested the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> oh! I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It actually got some of the fewest number of downloads that we've ever had on this show because people were just not interested whereas because there's only these... one good movie as opposed whereas... to whoa whoa oh, no danger will robinson <laughs> okay on the context of back to the future though on that oh, subject uh -huh. this move me this movie gave me a lot of back to the future 2 vibes it does have that to it for sure it it's yeah i mean they they get into it and it's like oh dang back to the future part 2 i'm liking this mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. I just think, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the the time travel is is certainly uh, reminiscent. It's that same sort of time travel of this it's was that, all. Don't let happening. the other person see you, but we're still going to affect the outcome of our present in order to change the the, the but, future. But and... is it when you've already done it? That's the thing, though. That's the thing. Though. This actually, this is the second time I've seen this sort of time travel before. Mm-hmm. And I, I like a lot of time travel. I, I watch um, right now. I'm in. I watched Legends of Tomorrow. I watch Timeless. Whoa. Like both. And whoa, L O T is C R A P. Just putting that out there. You yeah, are it's not W R O N G. How can you say you like you're, you're a big time travel fan and you're not watching Doctor Who? I also concur with that sentiment. I have watched Doctor Who. I'm just not I just, watching. If I may, Doctor if I may play the role of the gatekeeper for tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if 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 I had caught on to that, I'd be all over that. Okay, because you know that's that's like my number one franchise, man. Yeah, most calls for another shot. Most time travel stories, even even Back to the Future, or I think yeah, pretty much Back to the Future, shows you that or at least presents the idea that time travel is one timeline and then you can actually go back and you're there again and you can change the past. You can change things. Um, you know, Back to the Future is the biggest culprit of that, you know, just for the fact that it creates all new timelines and does all that kind of stuff. And But here and in Star Wars Rebels, <laughs> you have this idea that Time is happening. Everything is happening, and you're not – you can't really change anything. Mm-hmm. Things are happening, and even if you go back in time, that still is happening. And you know, in the first part when they're in Hagrid's cabin and they start getting hit by rocks, they're being thrown by Hermione. Mm-hmm. Hermione's Because she's arm. there. Because she's there from the get-go, but she came back in time. And it makes sense because you know, that's the way it should work. It shouldn't be that, oh, you weren't there because no, no, time is you know infinite. It, it's already happened that they've already gone to the future and come back. Like that makes sense. So I like that idea that in introducing that in here, and also it kind of puts the brakes on the time travel. It's like, oh, they can just go back and change it. No, 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 no. Whatever's happened has happened. You, if people come back from the future, that's going to happen. It's it's already been done. You would think that, and then Harry Potter and the Cursed Child came out, and it's very much Harry Potter Days of Future Past. <laughs> but so there's more. Time. Oh, I was gonna say that's Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> like that's oh, literally dear. Back to the Future Part Two. It, it really is. It really, really is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I'm interested in that now. You, you, you get you and Zach are gonna fly to New York, and you're gonna go see the play. We've already we already established this last time. <laughs> <laughs> are you paying? <laughs> He is because he's flying me down there too. Yeah. Hey, I already saw that's the how, play. That's that's how he's getting back on my Christmas card list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that's this is how I got off McMahon's Christmas card list. <laughs> Those must be oh, some really boy. damn good Christmas cards. Oh, they are. I'm gonna make one for Ben when he comes up next month, just so that Dom can see how awesome my Christmas cards are oh, and oh. realize how bad that he really wants to be on that list. Yeah, and would I, just... I have gotten one if I had been able to make one? Yes. Well. 
Yeah. Dom, well, Dom I, is the only member of the 1138 family that is off my Christmas card <laughs> list right now. I'm pretty sure I've been re- I've been added and removed to that list like ten <laughs> times. It's true. You've probably been the most scratched and re-added name of all of them. Zach, you you were taken off for a long time because of zombies, but <laughs> I, I I eventually re-added you. Because I got blackballed for that, huh? Wait, you did get blackballed wait, for a while. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he made you watch that movie, and he still managed to get on before get back on the list before I, who did nothing to you. By the way, all I did was see the play. You which, posted about it on Facebook. Which, by the way, which, by the way, I'll clarify oh, this. I'll clarify I'll this. I, I really a Facebook post that gets you blackballed. Let, let me clarify something too. I really like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Like I, 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 I know a lot of people don't like it, but I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like both as a play, and then when I reread it when the book came out, or the the screen, the screen, the play, the script was published. Like it, it, I, I, there's a lot there that I really like. There's some weird stuff, um, but. I, I like really, I, I, I really like it. It's it's good. I think it's it's good. And I hope you guys will at, I hope you guys will at least consider reading that one so we can talk about it on a future one of these. I'll just wait for the movie. <laughs> you're gonna be well, waiting, I hate to tell you waiting this, but a you're long never gonna see it. You're waiting a long it's never gonna time. Yeah. Oh come come on. It eventually it'll happen. Guaranteed. I, I don't I don't think it ever will. When they're done with the Fantastic Beasts saga I They're still going to don't want to do something with the Wizarding World in order to I don't, continue. I it. don't disagree with you, but eventually it's going to get I rebooted. Don't, here is happens, yes. Here is the metaphorical cow. Here is J.K. Rowling squeezing and milking every last possible drop out of it. I don't think and, it's J.K. Rowling. I think it's just the studio is like, hey, is let's do more. <laughs> I, I think you're you're right that we'll see the characters from the cursed child, but I don't think we'll ever see the cursed child because I don't honestly think that JK Rowling will ever let that get made into a movie. Now that Alan Rickman is dead. If Alan Rickman was still alive, I think that movie would have been in theaters already. Maybe, Hmm. maybe the loss of Rickman does hit the saga pretty hard. Well, and, and a lot of like, there are, by the time they would get around to making that, like hypothetically, if, if you would wait until after the Fantastic Beasts series is done, that's probably not going to be done for another decade. And there are a oh, lot of Lord, a lot of serious. Yeah, it's going to be five, five Boy, movies. I'm going to reach through my screen. Five movies, man. <laughs> five movies. One every other year. That's about a decade. Um, you know, uh, they um, there's some characters who are played by actors who are with us now. But they're getting up there in age. And, yeah. you know, even if they're still around by the time they would want to go into production on something like that, it might be tough for them to, to do so. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, I mean, The Hobbit had that problem with Sir Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm I'm of the mindset that pretty much any ev- anything and everything is going to be rebooted at some point. It's going to be, you know, they're going to get hit every single thing they could possibly get as far as thing. And then when they're done with that, they'll reboot it or whatever. Um, and I, I hope that I never live to see the day that Star Wars gets rebooted. I, that might be the exception that makes the rule. I think I, I think Star Wars is the one exception. Yeah. Because I feel like there's certain degrees of, okay, you have Harry Potter, for example. It's called Harry Potter. 
there's not – I mean, of course, they're doing Fantastic Beasts. It's not a different the name. People World. understand that it's part of the same universe, and they're excited about that. That's fine. That works. But there's still in only a certain amount of Fantastic Beasts is – correct me if I'm wrong. It's a it's another book in this – it's a it, in-universe book in the Harry Potter universe, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you actually see it in, in this film. Okay. Oh, you do? Okay. Cool. Um, but you you still have that. So they're kind of – I mean not not in a mean way. I'm saying they're kind of grasping at straws already. They're saying let's get this book and let's make a movie out of it. People are enjoying it. That's fine. That's great. Do that. Like add more to this mythology of this story and do a prequel series and add more to this universe. That's fine. But it's going to get to a certain point when they want to continue doing stuff and it's like, well, it's not Harry Potter anymore. Yeah. Well, I think, so I, th- yeah. I, th- I think Ben, this this Amazon Lord of the Rings series that is allegedly going to happen. Exactly, what I was gonna say that's gonna that's gonna mess everything up because you're gonna see all those film franchises that came out in the the, the aughts uh, be turned into shows uh, and sort of extended out the way you could presumably Lord of the Rings will be, and you could certainly you could do that with Harry Potter. Um, if it means I actually get to see Peeves, I'm okay with that. <laughs> this, is, this is a sticking yeah. point for for me. This is a sticking point for me because there's. There's there's different franchises and different franchises can function in different ways and some of them need reboots. Why do you think we've had eight different Batman? Like because yeah, there's a bunch of Batman in the comics, but m- most of all, people want to see Bruce Wayne Batman, so they keep doing it over and over again. Anytime and we've seen it a bunch of times now. Whereas you take Jurassic Park, like it's just Jurassic Park, and they can keep doing those movies, like them or not. They can continue that franchise and keep doing sequels. Star Wars, there's really no reason to reboot it because it's this massive universe. You can just keep adding to it. Same with Star Trek. Same with a bunch of other different franchises. But you have Spider-Man, and you know you kind of have to. You know you can't do. You can't keep going with that. You kind of have to just take a step back every once in a while and go, okay, let's reboot this again. So my favorite new character in the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> How did is we Is that get the here? only question that we're still on? We're Good. still there, yeah. We are. It's Lupin. Yes, please answer the question. It's Lupin. I love Lupin for all the reasons that have already been said, but also he introduces one of my favorite just little little details in the Harry Potter story, which is that the the sort of antidote for the Dementors is to eat some chocolate. I just love that little detail. It's always that, been one of my. How, that's how you get you you heal. Yeah, from yeah. That's 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 what I mean. That's because what chocolate's I mean. good. Everybody yeah. loves chocolate. Exactly. Dementors always... take your happy, so chocolate makes you happy. I know. I just I've always loved that little detail. It's always been one of my favorite things, and I just had to share that with you all now. It's lovely. So on the on the character of Lupin, let me follow up on that thought. I don't know how I got derailed from it earlier, but I did have a thought on Lupin. While I appreciated yeah that's where it was while i appreciated all that he brought to the classroom and all that he brought to harry's character it all felt like he was trying to set it up for a letdown because as we know the classroom for the class of of, uh, defense against the dark arts pretty much is just a revolving door yeah like the door to that classroom is just constantly swaying back and forth for whatever reason. I don't expect that and the, to change. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Uh, and and that's actually something I'm okay Honestly, with. Honestly, at this point, I'd be disappointed if it did change. Right. Right. I mean, it didn't change. 
Uh, ah. No. I don't. Eh. I, semantics. What are words? <laughs> I already. I already said my piece on that. I can't. Yeah. Really. That. Yeah. Really. So, uh, part of what made Lupin's character so interesting to me is that I was half expecting him to have some sort of dark side all along. But the way that they presented it was very different from what I was expecting. I I expected him to either be in league with, with Sirius Black. I expected him to maybe be Sirius Black, and he was one of the shapeshifters. You know, I, I was expecting something of his character to lead to his downfall to lead to being some sort of antagonistic approach to Harry Potter to you know something that was going to reveal itself later in the film and when he started teaming up with Sirius in the shack or in the house rather or where are they are they in the shack or are they in the house they're in the shrieking shack they're in the shack that's what I thought and when, when I saw the two of them team up together and like we were talking about earlier with the panning shots, it looked like that was the big reveal I was expecting all along. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's been communicating with him. He's in league with him. They're friends. They're brothers. Whatever. And then they, then they reveal that they were actually after Pettigrew the whole time. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's actually kind of legit. Except for the fact that he's a werewolf. Yeah. So, I mean, his character did provide more depth. I have no complaints about Lupin. Out of all the stuff that I felt was kind of off-putting about this movie, I actually really enjoyed the contributions that Lupin made because he actually gave, he actually provided some revelations to Harry's uh, parentage, to his family, to his context of, you know, what kind of legacy he's got at Hogwarts. It really, it really did help provide some depth to Harry's character. Yeah, make him feel more connected to his family than he has previously. He was like that bridge, which I felt fitting that they would have that conversation on the bridge. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it, that was all very metaphorical, and I totally caught up on that. And I didn't just figure that out just now, but <laughs> but I I did enjoy the contributions that he made, but. What I found so interesting was the whole time I was suspicious of him. And I feel like I'm justified in being suspicious of anybody that is teaching the defense against the dark arts. (laughs) But that's just based on three movies of information and the fact that you said don't expect that revolving door to be any different in the movies to come. So, you know, my suspicions were somewhat warranted, although they were not completely fulfilled. And yet I'm happy about that. Because for once, we had a guy who is resigning instead of turned out to be the big bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're you're right on with, with all that stuff about Lupin. And the only thing I would add is that, you know, there there is this kinship between uh, Harry and Lupin that's not you know obviously there's the connection back to his parents you know it's not really made clear in in the movie I don't think but you know Mooney Wormtail Padfoot and Prongs that's Sirius James uh well Mooney Remus Lupin and pa- Wormtail. Uh, yeah Wormtail is Pettigrew Padfoot is Sirius and Prongs is uh James so that's that's the four of them uh so yeah obviously there's that connection back to his family but also um there's there's kind of it's a very subtle moment at the end of the movie here when uh, 
Harry is asking Lupin, like, why are you leaving? Why are, why aren't you sticking up for yourself? And you know, why are you going to let all these people who are scared of you, scared of what you are, uh, sort of tell you how it is, tell you what to how to or they're going to control your life, basically, they're going to make you quit your job. And Lupin says, well, you know, at a certain point, I just got used to it. And there's sort of a weird connection, not a weird connection, but a subtle connection there made between Harry and Lupin, because that's Harry, that's been Harry's existence. It's been people trying, who have been against him and, and trying to put him down because of who he is. And, and Lupin, more so than just about anybody else in the Wizarding World that Harry has encountered thus far, can understand that. Now, granted, Lupin's getting that from fellow wizards, and that also kind of plays into the themes of of this book of this book and this movie of of you know we're getting the universe is getting darker the world is getting darker and the stories are getting darker you know the the first movie is very bright you know it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's it's you know you know there's there's dark side there's dark elements to it like harry's parents being dead but overall it's fun the wizarding world seems like a good place to be as we progress along in these stories we start to see the really dark and dangerous side of it in 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 Chamber of Secrets, we're introduced to the whole mud blood, pure blood idea, and we start, sort of start to see that not all wizards are cool. There's some pretty bad ones, and it's not just killing people bad. It's it's using your words bad. Uh, and then this one, you it, that continues that where we see dark magic really personified in the Dementors, um, but it also, but we also see the continuation of the sort of wizarding classism, racism whatever is like we said last time whatever ism you want it to be um is is continued you know both in malfoy calling hermione a mudblood again but also we see it a little bit with lupin and how you know he here's this really good person this really nice person who because of something he can't control is being chased from a job where he could do a lot of good because people are afraid of him even though he seemed to be able to do it it was just you know, a, a whole bunch of situations, uh, you know, kind of came together all at once to have things go really bad here. And Lupin probably could have been a great teacher at Hogwarts for a long time without anybody knowing, without his werewolfness impacting his ability to teach the defense against the dark arts. But because people found out, he, he had to go. So, anyways. yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what's interesting and very tragic about his character is that he's the one defense against the dark arts teacher that actually has a good heart. He's actually a good guy, but he has this tragic backstory of, and you know, just overall bad circumstance of being a werewolf and the, what the baggage that comes with that, having to deal with that and, and deciding himself that he needs to leave. So, you know, and, and, and throughout the whole movie, I mean, I think arguably, Harry interacts with him more than almost anyone else in the movie. So you really get a good, you know, you, you get a good relationship going between him and Harry. So it's really a, it's a kick to the gut to see him leave at the end. Mm-hmm. But as he says, they'll see each other again someday. I won't tell you when that is, but you know, I, I, I don't want to even ask because <laughs> there's so many, I have so many questions. I'm like, is that person going to come back? Is that person going to come back? Is that thing going to come back? Let me I'll let just me just find out. Let me just say, Ben. Usually, the answer is yes. Yeah, I mean, we're only three movies into what eight movies? Eight so, movies, yeah. So eight uh, movies, yeah, seven books mm-hmm. and a stage play. Um, yeah. So 
Dementors, you mentioned them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about them really quick because they're they're characters that are literally based on depression. They're literally, I mean, that's I think that's what J.K. Exactly, Rowling yeah. created them to be. Yes, I did a little homework myself. Um, <laughs> so like it's it's I think it's uh I love I love the concept of the characters and I love like it was kind of a twist on it like I just expected them to be like oh they're evil and stuff like that like no they're like tools of the establishment the good guys mm-hmm. but you know it's a very shady way of doing it again again and it's, I, it's it's the wizarding world has its has its dark side and it's not always it's not just people like Voldemort yeah yeah and that's very interesting and I think it's a neat twist on that idea that you know this wizarding thing and in, in, you know you can use it for good and bad and sometimes there's a middle ground there um i think that's really interesting and just the whole idea and th- just the way they pulled off the characters i think it's really interesting when you can when you when you know a character is coming or going to be entering a scene before you even see them and they set it up through this whole movie of the cold everything mm. you know the the the, the lake freezes over all this kind of stuff you you get the noise you get the, the sound effects you get the feeling of you know before the dementors are even on screen you know they're coming you know that you feel that presence um so i thought that was a really cool way of actually doing it and pulling those characters off and really making them very very scary yeah absolutely absolutely i think they, they did a very good job at, at uh um tr- translating this idea to the screen you know it was uh, by the time one of the first thoughts i i remember having about you know how are they going to adapt this was going into prisoner of azkaban wondering what are the dementors going to look like because in my mind reading the book like it i didn't really have a clear vision of what they looked like i I more had a, a vision of how they would feel and that's a lot harder to convey in a movie than it is in a book, in my opinion. And, and I think the film does a very good job at conveying that feeling uh, through, you know, performance and, and other, uh, you know, sort of established, uh, establishing shots and, and, and mise-en-scene stuff, uh, as well as music and effects and that sort of thing. But I also think they came up with a pretty scary look that's also still pretty nondescript. Right, right. And, you know, they're very, you know, this is still, you know, not maybe not top of the line CGI back in this day, but they made them look really, really good um, in the scenes they were in. And, you know, just, you know, really, really intimidating. And you don't and just the whole idea, the unpredictableness of like, oh, yeah, these guys are here to protect you, but don't get on their bad side don't piss them off because they'll kill you um which is it very very weird and interesting mm, for sure well, i mean out of all of the cgi that they implemented the dementors were probably the best foot forward probably, in my opinion yeah. mm-hmm. the 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 way that they were presented the way they were introduced on the hogwarts express like you didn't really have the context when you're watching it from a cinematic perspective you really didn't have any idea what was going on. Your your windows start turning to ice and this creepy ghostly creature shows up and nobody really knows what the heck is going on or what the heck to do. And Harry's face just kind of starts melting and absorbing into this creature for all we know, you know, because there's no introduction to it. 
there's no context saying the Dementors have been released from Azkaban prison and are now on the hunt for Sirius Black. Like, there's nothing that lets you know that this is even within the realm of possibility. For all we know, this is a acolyte of Sirius Black. This is a acolyte of Voldemort himself. And he's going after Harry because he's got a kinship with him or something like that. Like, I had no idea what was going on. And I think that mystery was part of what made them so intimidating. And yet, at the same time after that, they kind of just take on like a guard dog type role almost. Like it's a yeah. it's a it's a barrier protection, it's a border patrol almost, and it's like attention, citizen, you are straying too far from the designated <laughs> quadrant. Please return to the safe zone. That kind of thing. I wish that they had been implemented a little bit more, but the role that they played, they played it very well. Yeah, it's like Hogwarts can't afford to like just hire normal people to just stand guard outside. They have to get these weird demon creatures that might kill some students if they step look at them the wrong not, way. Not, like, not kill you know. Ben, not kill. They would steal their souls. Okay, same thing. Um, no, it's a fate, fate worse than death. Okay then. Even I mean, they make, they make that point, right? The Dementor's kiss is yeah. is the ultimate. It, it's the death penalty in the wizarding world. Yeah, mm. but you're not actually dead. Like it's it's. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, move move along, <laughs> move along. Happy topic. Well, well, let's continue talking about the CGI and the the uses that happens in in other aspects of the film. Most notably a character that we really have not gotten to discuss all that much, but is a very interesting addition to the Harry Potter universe, and that would be the Hippogriff Buckbeak. Yeah. What did you guys make of that introduction and the usage of Buckbeak in the film, the way that he was in 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 the classroom setting, if you will, and how he was uh, integrated in the time travel sense of things and even his use when you've basically got three different types of CGI battling one another towards the end of the movie when you've got Sirius and Lupin and uh, Buckbeak all fighting each other kind of towards the end there. That may be a bit of a spoiler, but good grief, people. This movie's 14 years old. Come on. Yeah, seriously. So there's there's three there's there's three there's three elements there. Uh, one would be Hagrid's class. The other would be uh, the, his time travel integration, and then the fight scene at the end. Who wants what? Um, I'll t- I'll take uh, I'll take the class, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I actually think I actually think the CG on 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 Buckbeak holds up pretty well. Um, I think the shot when when Dan Radcliffe is is holding on to the side of his head and they're flying over the lake and stuff that is sort of, you can tell he's not really, doesn't really, he's not really holding feathers and that sort of thing. And I've noticed now on, on movies, they've started to do a better job of like having for shots like that, having a practical thing for somebody's hands to interact with, or they're just making the CG better. But like when Buckbeak's just sort of there in the forest, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's a hippogriff there. Like, I'm not thinking, ah, oh, it's a computer, it's a this, it's a that. Um, you know, there's a few shots where it's not perfect, obviously. It's And, and I'm sure if they did these, if, if Ben gets his wish and they reboot these movies, um, we'll, they'll do something that's far more impressive. 
but I, I thought I thought Buck Buckbeak looked pretty good, and and you know. I, I, I remember feeling like so sad when I was reading the book for the first time when he died or when we thought he died. And I was so happy that they used the time travel to, to go back and save, save him. Cause it really, you know, he's really is an innocent and in, in all of this. He's, a, he's an animal. doesn't know better. And you know, Malfoy, we know Malfoy's a little, Malfoy's a little shit. let's, let's be honest. And, <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he, he didn't respect Buckbeak as a fellow being a fellow sentient and as a result he 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 got what he deserved let's be real it's malfoy um and 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 so i i i thought the 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 character was used well i I enjoyed i'm so glad he he survived and and i thought he looked pretty good too the one the, the one big complaint if i may interject just real quick the one big complaint that i had about the classroom setting with haggard was a why is Hagrid teaching anything? He does not belong in the teacher what? role. And B, why did we have such a gratuitous CGI scene where Harry goes on a ride with Buckbeak? Like I, that entire I think it pretty good. That entire sequence, no, I couldn't stand it because it, it wasn't visually captivating for me. And I knew that all it was was a 2004 attempt to show off what their CGI capabilities were. And you have this entire gratuitous scene where he just takes off and you're seeing Hogwarts from down below and you're seeing Harry what on what is obviously a green screen model animatronic creature that then gets cgi'd in later and you get to see the the talon going through the water as he's flying over the lake and i'm just like no i didn't need any of that for the context of the story we could have had harry's introduction to buckbeak in the forest where they go through the entire procedure the steps of introduction and then he gets to pet him and it would have been just as gratifying Riding on his back just just wasn't necessary. Well, it, it's it's sort of, I, I, you know, it's it's a very sort of incredible sequence, and I definitely I, I I can I can feel where you're coming from. Like it is, it's a rather extended sequence. Um, I can certainly I can certainly you could certainly make a case for it being cut down a little bit, but it, again, it's it's that it's it's setting up the Malfoy thing. You know, I don't think Malfoy would have really cared if all that happened was Harry got to pet Buckbeak. I think you know Malfoy is always you know he's jealous yeah he's jealous he's jealous of harry that's his his character and and he kind of had a a moment where he felt like he had something he could hold over harry with the whole dementors thing on the on the train and now harry all of a sudden has this incredible experience that's you know all of his classmates are in awe of and it's it's you know it's another moment for harry where he sort of feels free you know harry spends a lot of his life feeling trapped uh so so it's a kind of a a great moment for him and and all the classmates love it and there's draco going mother bleeping potter getting all the attention again i i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna show that it's not that big a deal and then like i said you know he doesn't respect buckbeak as a fellow being and yeah, he gets a gets a nice bite on his arm right but but i, I can certainly see how like that sequence is is very extended it is a bit gratuitous and you could certainly make a case for it being trimmed down at, at least a little bit yeah, maybe it's I, I, a little long, but I still think I think it is gratuitous and, and it is probably showing off their CGI, but the CGI is pretty good, especially for this era. 
Um, and I think most of Buckbeak's scenes are are pretty good in the sense of realism and and just and just you have to take into account of what year this is when they made this and what they were doing back then. Like a lot of CGI does not hold up. But we're watching this movie now, especially me for the first time. Like this looks is it is it's at least acceptable. I think Buckbeak looks amazing and all, but I I, I have that. How can you question Hagrid as the teacher of magical zoology? Get, get him, okay? Get him, McMahon. If, get him. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but okay. I'm if with I you. had the I'm opportunity to learn zoology from Steve Irwin, I'm going to take it. If I have the opportunity to learn magical beasts from Hagrid, I'm going to take it. How can you? He is, he is more qualified to teach that class that I dare say almost any other we, professor at he, Hogwarts. He knew how we to know he, he knew how to tame the three-headed dog. We as viewers know that. But from what we've seen in the past two movies, he's seen as the Hogwarts uh, dope. But but but, Nobody but Dumbledore takes him seriously. But, 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 the important but Dumbledore, takes him seriously. Yeah, Dumbledore and that's sees him. Dumbledore. Yeah, Dumbledore sees him the way we see him and Dumbledore gives him the job. He gives him this basically a chance to redo his, or to, to remake his reputation remake his image as he someone shows what he shows it that all the way through the books like go back to who did dumbledore trust to take harry to the dursleys yeah hagrid who did dumbledore trust to retrieve the philosopher's stone from gringotts hagrid hagrid who did albus send to get harry from the dursleys hagrid uh-huh. any one of those jobs could have been done by someone else but he trusted Hagrid. Yeah. What do all of those things have in common, though? Harry. The most important thing that needed to be done? Mm, No. Yes. Harry. You're right. You're right, Dom, that Harry is also a very common denominator in all of that. But what I also see is that it is a very hyper-focused task that involves minimal interaction. If anything, it's one to one or one to two. Hagrid is not built for crowds. And they are tossing him to a bunch of adolescents who laugh at every move that he makes. Only a certain portion of them. Like, yeah, okay, the Slytherins think that. But the the Gryffindors don't. The Hufflepuffs don't. Yeah, they gave the him, Ravenclaws they, don't. They, it's they, the Slytherins. And, and the Slytherins make fun of uh, and, and keep everybody. Him- and keep in mind, Zach, they had all given him that really awkward standing ovation at the end of the last year. So they, oh my <laughs> they god, that was terrible. <laughs> they did it because they were obligated to do it, not because they loved him. The Gryffindor stood up, and everybody was like, "Oh, I'm not going to yeah. be the one that doesn't clap for him." Yeah, so it, they just awkwardly go along with it. Okay, it's, it's the like... Slytherins, I agree with that, but everybody else has some degree of love for Hagrid. Everybody loves Hagrid. If you, if you don't do things because the Slytherins don't like them. Hogwarts would have the smallest class because there'd be no there'd be no muggles. Mm. You know, Hermione wouldn't be at Hogwarts if Slytherin was in charge. Yeah, it, it, Hogwarts would suck if you did everything based on how the Slytherins and and most importantly how the Malfoys would respond. Uh-huh. I was not turning this into a Malfoys and Slytherin argument. I was turning this into my perspective on what I have seen the Hogwarts reception of Hagrid to be thus far. I'm not saying I dislike him as a character. I love Hagrid. He's one of my favorite, most consistent and lovable characters in the series so far. 
but putting him into a teaching position seems like you're taking him outside of what is expected of him and takes him outside of his comfort zone. And it showed itself, it reared its ugly head because he did not know how to manage a crowd. He was so hyper-focused on what was going on with Harry, he did not realize that Malfoy was being a little bitch. Until too late. Well, again, he, he doesn't have anyone to blame for that, but whoever does the scheduling at Hogwarts, okay? Because if you, <laughs> if, you put, if you put the Slytherins with any other group to do that class, you don't have that problem. Because then, you know, Malfoy doesn't have Potter in the class. Yeah, and and like, like you know, you're to be fair, Zach, you are making a valid point because you know something does go horribly wrong. Um, but if we put ourselves in Dumbledore's shoes, here's this guy who has you know consistently proven himself to be at least somewhat capable and, and he who Dumbledore respects and trusts. And this position opens up. That's a, a field that Hagrid's a, an expert in. And, you know, it's, it's worth giving him a shot. And, and, you know, spoiler alert, Hagrid never goes back to this position. You know, it's, it, it is kind of one of those things where, where you, you give your friend a chance and, you know, they, they not maliciously, but they still make, they make a mistake and you sort of have to go, okay, well, we'll, we have to find something that you're better suited for, or I'll, I, you know, you're just not suited for this, but it's, it's just sort of, you know, Dumbledore giving his friend a shot and didn't work out this time, this time. And, and, you know, it's, Hagrid's just got, Hagrid's got a different set of skills that is useful and, for, in other places. And I know that sounds like that's sort of, that's very um, glib. It's like when, it's like when buddy, the elf finds out it is, when they're all consoling buddy, the elf, when he, he's really upset about not being a good toy maker, but <laughs> he's got to open all the Jack in the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> he gets scared by each and yeah. every one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I love that scene. I and I love the fact that the Jack in the Boxes make a return at the end of the movie oh, yeah. when they're having the chase scene in the Santa sleigh and he looks in the bag and this one is... of the Jack in the Boxes pops out at him. And just remember, the man who directed that is going to be making a Star Wars TV show. <laughs> and he's directing the Lion King live action movie. Yeah, let's move on. I'm excited for that. I'm very, very excited for that. Yeah. Well, the point is, Zach hates Hagrid for no reason. Let's move on. <laughs> wow. That's what you guys got from this? Yes. Zach, Zach is a Hagrid hater. I, wow. I think, I mean, hashtag, I would say drunk, drunk, drunk Zach hates Hagrid. Who knows if, if, uh, we'll ask Zach. sober Zach tomorrow. Yeah. You're yeah. actually see. making me want to take another shot. <laughs> okay. We'll see who he hates then. You guys are <laughs> bullying me. I'm going to hate all of you. And that's about all we have for tonight's show. Big bullies. We mm. do need to move along just a little bit further because oh. it is getting a bit late. Um, but what, what do we want to, anyone want to bring up anything else? What do we want to talk about next? I never noticed. Um, Geez, we, co- we, we covered talked, a, quite a bit. Yeah, we it. did. We talked about time travel. We talked about Harry's family. We talked about Hagrid. We talked about the CGI and the different uses of it. We talked about the shack. We talked about one of the big plot reveals up in the shack. Up uh, in the shack. Up in here. Up in here. Up in here. Up in here. Yep. Dom gets that joke. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach, Zach, I have one thing to say to you, and that is, Man, give me a lot of bleeping in this episode. Jeez. Am I, am, am I going to have to put the split filter on this episode? Maybe. Jeez, guys. 
I'm sorry, man. So, okay, so the, kind of off topic, but not really. Oh, what was our inside joke for Jedi Pod? Um, zombies. Even did we even have one? Zombies. Yeah. Zoombies okay. Zombies. Kind of okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I kinda, can. I can go. I can now, go. Along. Now we uh, all zombies. have to collaborate on Solo Pod. Um, was or be. um. Uh, no, you're maybe... not allowed to have an inside joke that I'm not a part of. <laughs> Zach's like, no, there's none of that. No, there's... no, that'll be Solo Pod South will have its own inside joke. Well, the the and... um, yeah, the oh, the I only like other that. thing we did watch the Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. That was a lot, and of fun. we watched Christmas Vacation watched at Christmas three vacation. in the morning. Yeah. Well, y'all, y'all did. I, I, I was a smart <laughs> person. I slept at least well, a little bit. We also had a very long conversation about how you pronounce Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. How I've, much like, alcohol was consumed before this conversation? None. That's the lot. sad part. Not a lot. That's the sad. Like <laughs> I felt like by the end of that conversation, by the time we pulled into the restaurant, like I felt consist. I felt considerably stupider. <laughs> like <laughs> I felt what like my a IQ. Burger. What a burger! My, my what IQ had dropped several what a points. Water burger. The other, like, I, there were so many different iterations of it. The other it's not one. Even fun. The other one just IHOP. Just in general, IHOP. Yeah. Ben people, being threatened by a waitress. Oh, getting dude, assaulted. Ben dude, being threatened those, by a waitress. <laughs> yeah, you almost got beaten up by a waitress, and then the, we had that... the best conversation with a stoned couple on the table next to ours. <laughs> That's great. And they were, isn't they were, that? We, we were telling these people like where everybody was from. We're like, he's from Toronto. He's from Mississippi. He's from Arizona. He flew in from California. And they're just like jaws are on the table. Like what? Yeah, really? And that was the night Mondo yeah. told his story. Oh, tripod. We, we got tripod. Yes, tripod is the inside joke. Big man, you've heard the tripod story, have you not? Kept making tripod references. All weekend, <laughs> you can't you can't see my face right now. But <laughs> did you, did you, Mac McMahon, you know the tripod story, right? If it's a Mondo story, there's a ninety nine percent chance I've heard it and purged it from my memory because it disturbs me. <laughs> the tripod story is one that we after Jedi Pod that night, three in the morning at Whataburger, where I'm sitting across like diagonally from from Mondo. He's a kind of another table, and I hear him start up again with the trust story. I'm like, hold up. I got to I gotta hear this again. So I moved ben, over to that table just so I could hear him tell yeah, it again. Ben basically called everybody to attention so that we could. <laughs> yeah, like he had about 20 people watching him as he told that story the second time around. And it was just as funny as the first time. It's, I'm sure he loved the attention. Oh, yes. He, oh, yeah. he, he uh, lapped it up like a puppy on a 93 day. And the listeners have no idea what we're talking about. Okay, well, then do I do I try and tell the story and do my best Mondo imitation? I don't know. If, do like, I dare? I think you have to save it for RIPC. Yeah, maybe <laughs> so. Okay, well, this just confirms yes. it. Considering, yeah. considering, this is, considering no, no, what no, the no. punchline of that story is. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is the deal. This is what we have to do. We have to make RIPC a thing. And we yes. have to get Mondo on the very first episode. Yes. Yeah. And we need, and and we need, he, he we need himself. Him to, we need him to watch Zombies, so yeah. we can talk about Zombies and hear the tripod story on the so, first episode of here, our. Here's episode. our promise to you guys: you will hear it at some point, <laughs> some someday, hopefully. 
Assuming you're just, old enough to listen to RIPC. <laughs> maybe we just make it a monthly thing, and it's for patrons only, and you've just got to be a member in order to hear this special edition story. Who knows? Game. Game. Speaking of which, go find us at patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. We now have a patron system in place. There are four different distinct and very inexpensive levels for which you can participate in the continuation of our program. We actually have to pay for our hosting site, and we need your help to pay for that because it's putting us in the red. And we also have a lot of really awesome exclusive benefits that you can find when you go to that website. And we're getting ready to kickstart a lot of really, really awesome things, including new top five episodes and a new way of doing them. We're looking at doing a lot of really, really cool things in new segments that we have here on the show. And you can find out all those details by going to patron.podbean.com slash podcast. We're not going to use Patreon because there's been some, you know, uneasiness and some conflict about the way that it's been used sometimes. And... Podbean has been an excellent hosting site for us, and so it just made sense to go with the patron system that they already have, but it's very similar to what the SWU does with Patreon as far as exclusive benefits, special edition episodes, new segments, etc., etc. A lot of really awesome things coming up, but we can't do it without your help, so be sure to go find us there. Definitely. Well, let's, let's go to favorite scene, favorite moment. And then we'll go to final thoughts and planet score. How about that? Sounds good to me. All right. Favorite scene for me, I would probably have to say when the twins are introducing the map to Harry. Mm. I know that's I know that's kind of like a, a weird sequence to mention, but seeing a magic map and seeing the secrets involved with it and the way that you have to use a password and the implications that it has for the rest of the movie as far as locating Pettigrew, as far as you know, using it to try and solve a bigger mystery. What better way to do that than with a magic map? That kind of embodied the lifestyle of magic that I was looking for and to see it being used in such a practical manner and used in such an adolescent manner that they're trying to keep the adults from finding out about it and finding out how to use it, et cetera, et cetera. It was very whimsical, very fun and made magic feel very practical and real for me in that moment. Definitely. It's a good one. Dominic, you, it's a good one. Uh, a... For me, it's that final scene between uh, Harry and Lupin. Uh, I love the, the I love just about any scene with Lupin in, in the movie, um, and and the the whole as we talked about already the, the kind of the twist uh, when when he comes face to face with Sirius is is very very good. But uh, you know we don't get a lot of Dumbledore in this movie, and I, I think part of the reason is because Lupin kind of fills that role of that that older fatherly figure for harry and, and he really gives him some really wonderful advice there in that final scene about you know harry says oh it didn't make any difference but lupin points out you know it's all about your point of view and and from a certain point of view harry made all the dis- difference you know an innocent man went free and and uh when when yeah they didn't get to live together and, and ha- have their happily ever after but still a lot of good came out of what harry and, and hermione did in this one and and uh yeah, so that that final scene as as Lupin is packing up his off, office for me is, is is my favorite. Yeah, um, big man, you have a favorite scene? 
Oh, my favorite scene is the Shrieking Shack. Um, everything about that scene from the moment they all get there to the moment they all leave is fantastic. And it leads me to my, you know, I actually use a line from that scene quite frequently in my real life. Every time somebody makes me wait longer than I'd like to, I will just go full on serious black on them. You know, I did my waiting 12 years of it in Azkaban. And if they don't get the reference, I give them the look. (laughs) Everybody knows the look, that look of you, you uncultured swine. Oh, Oh, man. Sage oh, gets sad. that every every now and again. I'll drop that line on Sage, and he's never seen a single one of these, so he still what? doesn't know where it's from. Yeah, what? Uh, you can take that up with him next month. Yeah, okay. We're not going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're just going to watch Harry Potter movies. We need to get Sage on this podcast during one of our Harry Potter episodes. Mm. Good luck. <laughs> oh boy, challenge accepted. Let's just say that. <laughs> Uh, my favorite scene is it's a small moment. I mean, I like I said, my favorite part of the movie is the is the whole Back to the Future Part Two scenes. Like it just like, stuff I wasn't like you're not necessarily paying attention to all the details, but when it comes back around and the rocks are thrown through the window and all this kind of stuff, like you're like and and they they say Buckbeak and then you know he's on the you know you see the executioner come down with his giant axe and he's actually cutting a pumpkin. It's like, Oh, that's a relief. Like, um, but my favorite scene is right at the end when they come back and they, you're (laughs) expecting, cause I'm, I'm expecting them to like, you're expecting them to like, just go in and and meet back where they were thing. They come this full circle where they left from in, in the, um, the triage. And so, but they meet Dumbledore coming out and he's like, Oh, well, okay. And, and, and they're like, like, yeah, we did it. We did whatever. He's like, did what? <laughs> he just walks down the <laughs> stairs. And, and like, it's so Dumbledore. Like, it's so great. And, and gives him the point on the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so. And they're so. I love that character. Just the fact of he's like, he knows the whole time. And even like going back to the scene where they're in the pumpkin patch trying to get Buckbeak to go, you can tell he is distracting the other two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbledore, Dumbledore. is like, oh, look over here. He's like, he knew the whole time. He like, he's he's in on the whole thing from the entire time. You just it, didn't even know it. Why well, he did know it, um, and that that's one of those things that uh, the book doesn't translate. Uh. In that, in the film, makes it seem like the time turner that Hermione has is something special that she has. The book makes it very clear that she acquired that through the Ministry of Magic and had permission to use it to attend multiple classes simultaneously. So Dumbledore knew about the time Turner. So yes, he knew exactly what was going on. He already had the plan in his Dumbledorean mind that, okay, (laughs) we'll use the time Turner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't quite know if he had the whole serious black of it all figured out as well. I'd like to think he did. I suspect he did. I suspect he did as well, but he certainly knew Buckbeak and that they'd try and save him. So he definitely knew what was going on. So you're right. When he grabs, when he grabs Fudge and points out the, the, the brickery or the, the whatever. Strawberry field. The, the strawberry, strawberry field. The strawberry field. Yeah. When he points out all that stuff, it's exactly a stall and he knows exactly what's going on behind so it. So let me ask, um, let me ask Ben and Zach something. What did you think of new Dumbledore? Cause this is our first time with Michael Gambon. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I think easing him in was a solid move because if you gave him the same kind of spotlight that you had from the previous two movies, then 
the differences would have been even more noticeable. But I feel like it was a little bit more subtle. And he actually kind of played the role of a headmaster that I was actually expecting. He's rather aloof, but makes the grand announcements that are necessary and plays a pivotal role in some of the critical moments without seeming too over-involved, as if he was overstretching his his reach. I don't, I don't know if I'm expressing it properly. He did just enough to feel like he was involved without being too involved. Yeah, I think, I think they did a good job with that because I feel like the first Dumbledore was very, you know, he was he was a big player, whereas he seemed to take, take a step back. And I think that was, I don't know if that's a thing just, just happened in the books, or I think probably it was something they did with the movie itself to say, okay, we need to ease in on this. We can't, you know, I think Michael Gambon did a pretty good job of, you know, bringing the character back and, you know, not being too heavy with it, just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to, continue this and you know he still had a part to play but it was he wasn't over the top always in the scenes um so i think that that helped kind of ease him in i'm looking forward to seeing like how he how he might expand the character in future films yeah i I had forgotten a lot about how he's about his portrayal in in this movie and, and having watched the other two so recently and then going into this one i was surprised at how how much more it's it's reserved like it, it it's it it's not the same it, it it it's in the next movie where you i really felt the difference whereas in this one it did kind of feel like it's it's michael gambon doing a, a little bit more of a playing the the character that we had already seen and it's in the next one where he kind of makes it his own and and there's some choices and and we'll talk about it we'll talk about it when we get there um that are not my favorite and a lot of people have commented on them as well in the interweb in the ether so i just wanted to see what you guys thought because that's something we talked about a lot last time yeah definitely yeah it was it was i guess it's time for the main event the one that everybody's been really looking forward to and if you are in the chat and we've actually had some pretty awesome engagement in the chat so if you're listening live, now is the time to send us your score out of 10 so that we can accrue it for our planet score. We're about to go around the horn, fellas, so come up with your score out of 10 now while you have the opportunity. While I read off this fun fact for you, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban actually was the number two highest grossing movie of all of 2004, and it actually shared some pretty interesting company. Uh, it's $796 million, was number two overall, behind Shrek 2, which was the you original gotta, Shrek sequel. You've got to be kidding me. No, Shrek 2 was number one highest grossing of 2004. Wow. So, somebody once told me that American audiences are insane. Somebody once told me. Sorry, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was trying to be just to play it just a little more subtle, but you know, no, no. I'm I mean, at least it's on, one man. of the only two good Shrek movies. I mean, come on. It, it, it's out, oh, ben, man. It sounded like you said it's one of the t- only two good Trek movies, to which I will agree it is one of the only two good Star Trek movies. That's oh, it. man! Hey, Star Trek's got more than two good movies, but 
I'm not going to go there. So Prisoner of Azkaban was number two. (laughs) Checking in at number three for 2004 was a uh, cult classic popular Spider-Man 2. Number four, this is is pretty relevant. Both lost to Shrek 2. That just... Everything lost to Shrek 2, man. 2004 was an abomination for movies. (laughs) It was a weird time. I'm glad you you said it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very strange world where Harry Potter, Spider-Man 2, and a Pixar movie all lose out to Shrek 2. Because checking in at number four, behind Spider-Man 2, the fourth highest grossing movie of 2004 was The Incredibles. Oh, you've got to be f***ing kidding me. (laughs) We're definitely going to need the bleeper on this one, Ben. (laughs) Oh, God. And then checking in at number five is a uh, religious favorite that people still watch on uh, Good Friday and Easter weekend. Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ was the number five highest grossing movie of 2004. So Passion of the Christ, The Incredibles, Spider-Man 2, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and then number one highest grossing movie of 2004, Shrek 2. It's amazing. I've seen all those movies, but I haven't. I don't think I actually saw them in 2004, any of them. No, I didn't see any of those in 2004. I don't think I saw The Incredibles until about 2008. If that saw so, I saw this one and I saw The Incredibles in 2004 because I remember going I, to see The Incredibles and seeing the teaser trailer for Revenge of the Sith. I saw mm-hmm. four out of five in 2004. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to do this again sometime where we just look at a particular year and what the highest grossing movies were for that year because you know 2005 would be really really interesting, especially with Revenge of the Sith. It's got to be in the top five at least. We'll have to we'll have to look into that sometime, but another night. Tonight it's time for our planet scores because we're running short on time. Remember, if you are listening live in the chat, give us your score out of ten so that we can add this to our totals. Katie's score is going to kind of screw with our numbers a little bit. Our percentages are going to be a little bit off, but it is what it is. So, McMahon, what number out of ten do you give Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? Um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Gets, as a film, not a book. As a film. As a film. Gets nine years out of ten waiting at Azkaban. Nine. A nine from McMahon. Mr. Is, Jones. Mr. Jones. How do you do, Mr. Jones? I, see, I, I'm, I'm torn because I feel like I was too hard on Chamber of Secrets about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel – because I think I gave Chamber of Secrets a 7.5, and I think that was wrong. Because, Let me take a look at what our planet scores I, were. I like Chamber of Secrets better than Prisoner of Azkaban, but I don't feel like Prisoner of Azkaban is is lower than a seven point five. If anything, I think it's more of an eight, which means I think Chamber is probably more of an eight point five. I was just I don't know, maybe I was just feeling weird that night, so I, I, I'll give it an eight, an, an eight eight year turn, eight year um, <laughs> eight year eight um, years of waiting in Azkaban, eight year sentence in in Azkaban, yeah. <laughs> That still sounds like a long time. I've done my rating. So here, here's the here's the <laughs> other. Oh, that was good. I wish I had thought of that. That was mmm. Okay. Was, that was, so Ben, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yield the floor to you now, <laughs> and then I'll ask my question later. Um. So I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a seven. 
I know, I know. Um, I I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, but you know, it's it's definitely my least favorite out of the three I've seen so far. Agreed. Um, and you know, I I still like. I would love to give it a more of a chance. Um, watch it with new eyes because, as I said, there were some things that just flat out confused me in this movie that I didn't totally get, and and rightfully so. Normally speaking, I blame it on myself. Rightfully so, because I am dense. As you can see, some things just go over my head. Um, so obviously with that was that. So like, it, my opinion has approved just by being on this podcast. But still, overall, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. But I did like, there's like several things. Like, I'm like, wow. that's cool. Like, so, so what you're saying is your rating was lower than that, and you actually bumped it up to a 7? Yeah, I I can't yeah. even. I can't even. I can't. Oh, you'll, you'll, I can't even. Right you'll, now. you'll get your chance. Uh, get your chance. You're gonna you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna join Dom off my Christmas card list. Keep this up. Chris is gonna be the only one getting one next month. Oh my goodness. Oh you'll, my goodness. You'll, we'll, we'll get our we'll get our venge our vengeance. Uh, um, McMahon, when we when we take Ben to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And we put yeah, him in well, goal. Uh, yeah. You keep saying that. <laughs> Ben's Ben's been Ben's like Ben's probably secretly practicing his goalie moves. Just, yeah, you're, you're gonna come up and I'm, I'm gonna block. Stupid. I'm gonna block shut, every shut single one of those doors. You're gonna be you're gonna be shocked. We're all gonna look pretty stupid if he goes out and pitches a shutout. Yeah, <laughs> all the hype. <laughs> Can somebody uh, please video this? It oh, needs absolutely. to be on the internet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be live streamed to the eleven thirty eight chat, and then we'll put it up for everybody. Oh, I can't freaking wait! I cannot wait. So, if I recall correctly, my Chamber of Secrets score was seven point five, and I feel like I enjoyed Chamber of Secrets more than I enjoyed Prisoner of Azkaban. There were some really unique plot points that made it very different from what I was expecting it to be. I thought it would be a lot more straightforward and the whole prisoner of Azkaban would be truly, he is a prisoner that has escaped from Azkaban prison. He is a servant of Voldemort and he is out to kill Harry. I thought it, that that in itself was an interesting story and I'd be intrigued to see what happened. The fact that they didn't do that, the fact that it was a very different plot from what I was expecting it to be was refreshing. And that did help bump the score up a little bit higher. I actually probably had it closer to a 6 or a 6.5 if they hadn't done that. Because there still is a lot of overdone CGI. There still is a lot of confusing and gratuitous time travel that I really didn't feel was necessary. I really didn't see the point of the Bogarts. If we're going to be facing our fears, let's just call it like it is let's just actually face our fears if we're going to be facing a dementor in a private tutoring session then let's just face a dementor in a private tutoring session why bother with a middleman okay so zach, where are you if, gonna if, get a dementor if you're and zach if you're gonna teach somebody um how to walk on a high wire are you saying you know just just on the first day we'll take you up to niagara falls and we'll string it across the the way and you'll just do that on the first lesson you, he you know, already no gave a... the disclaimer that this type of magic is beyond what commoners use yeah, and, and he's and... saying that to a person who's starting his third year all of this is unrealistic but 
the point with the Boggart, though, was to face your greatest fear. And you expect everyone to have fear, like Professor Snape, like a giant snake. Which, and we like, haven't even mentioned... Things like that. We haven't even mentioned the wonderful shot of, of Alan Rickman in... <laughs> in, in your grandmother's dress. In the grandmother's dress. That was pretty amusing. It was pretty amusing. You know what? But... That answered so many questions for me, because I've always seen the Funko Pop <laughs> of... Of Snape in that dress, and I'm like, what the hell is that? They For so a, many years, I've been wondering that, a, and now I know. They made a Funko of that? Yes. <laughs> I, might, I might start collecting Funkos. <laughs> <laughs> I want oh, that. Cool. I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That's the beauty of having these kinds of discussions and this type of show. So I don't really give a crap what you say. <laughs> Somebody's wow. getting salty. This, this, Just this, a is, this is what three drinks, Zach. <laughs> He's salty. Uh, only only two shots, actually. You so guys two only... shot two shot Zach is the aggressive one. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Okay. What he means no, no. is two shots times five, probably. No. Cause... Or your shot glass is is is, is glass. Know, it's a pint. <laughs> Zach shot it glass. comes in pints. <laughs> I'm getting one. No, I had the, all this stuff written down way, way, way beforehand. Like this afternoon, I was taking notes and writing it down. I'll show you my my script that I've been coming off of. But what well, is your problem? You script your th- you gotta no, shoot from the heart. I I actually did a lot of that. I'll I'll send you guys a picture in the group chat earlier, like later on. Uh, this is stuff that I wrote earlier. Is what I'm trying to say. And again. Final call for those of you that are in the chat listening in. I know that you're still out there. James, I see you. George, I see you. Joey, I see you. If you're listening live, go ahead and send us your planet score, your rating out of 10, because right now we've only got one rating, which is 10 out of 10, and honestly, that's kind of inaccurate. But uh, By your oh, standards. <laughs> by your standards, you just, too. Neither just, of you gave it a 10. I you gave just, it a you 9. Just, you just go on this tangent about how, you know, people have different opinions, and that's your opinion. It's like your opinion, man. And then you're like, and Katie's opinion is objectively wrong. Because it's 10 out of 10. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> in your opinion. That's and like, Katie in the chat's wow. Just wow. My opinion is the only one that matters because it's my show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then in that case, I think Dom and I are going to perform a coup. Yeah. <laughs> we can hang up on him. I'm, I'm running. I'm, McMahon, I'm running the broadcast. We don't need them. I'll just call oh you. My. <laughs> you just, From just... now on, it's the IPC hosted by McMahon and Dominic. Just, just be around next next Friday, same time, same place. We'll do we'll do Inter- Goblet of Fire without them. It'll be great. Inter- Intergalactic Peace Canadians. Yes, yes, that's what it is. Yes. Well, I'm going. I'm going to read a comment that Katie sends, and this is this is here's the other thing. We haven't seen all eight films. So we're doing this on a film by film basis. And what she's saying is this is the best Harry Potter movie because it established the aesthetic that is used for the next five movies. I'm looking forward to the next five movies. I've got all of them on blue right now. The first two movies and the first two discussions convinced me to do so. 
I have all of them on Blu-ray now, which is a big deal because I don't buy Blu-ray very often. In spite of all of the things that I have been saying about this particular movie, this franchise has a ton of potential. And it's had a ton of engagement, obviously. So I am looking forward to what they're doing next. But this particular film just didn't sit with me the way that I thought it was going to. Is it a terrible movie? No. Is it the worst movie I've ever seen? No. Zombies holds the record for that. But it's definitely not my favorite of the three Harry Potter movies that I have seen thus far. Therefore, my rating for it is going to be a seven, just like Ben's. Okay. All right. So, even though you seem to hate it a lot more than I do. (laughs) Yeah, Ben, you maybe want to rethink that seven. Our critiques of it have been different. Some of the things that I was critiquing were things that you were okay with. And some of the things that you were critiquing were some of the things that I was like, okay, that's fine. So, to me, that just shows that there's even more gaps in this film. Because I'm looking at certain things and saying, I didn't like W, V, and X. And you're saying, I didn't like Y and Z. So there's still some stuff to sort out in this film. We just don't have enough time to sort out all of it. And so, you know, I think a seven is a pretty fair rating, especially since I gave Chamber of Secrets a 7.5. I rarely dive into the sixes. It really has to have a lot of technical stuff wrong with it in order to call it a six. And like you said, the CGI does kind of get gratuitous at times, but it does also still stand the test of time. So, In spite of all that, I still give it a 7. So our totals for the evening from the hosts are a 7, a 7, an 8, and a 9, which gives it 31 out of a possible 40 points. And 31 out of 40 equals 77.5%. I was told there would be no math. (laughs) I'm doing They do not the math. teach maths at Hogwarts. Nope. I'm doing the math. You're welcome. We got a 8 out of 10 from our friend George in the chat. So thank you for that, George. Uh, we'll leave it open for just a little while longer. See if anybody else wants to submit anything. I know Zach, there's a couple Zach's of people still listening live. Zach, Zach's just looking for more people to back him up. <laughs> no, we usually hey, use it. Go we, create a few fake no, accounts and pump up those get some Get some Russian bots in there. Yes, I think Harry Potter Prisoner Azkaban gets uh, 6 out of 10. Yes, that's no. what I think. Come on. Look, y'all, look know at this, me, y'all know me better than that. We usually look at this, leave it open ja- to the Look at this Jack Arnold in the chat talking about how much he <laughs> agrees Arnold. with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no idea who you're talking about. Oh, look, it's Zach Efron. He agrees too. <laughs> it's Axe Arnold. Jack, Ar- Jack Arnold. Oh, that's Zach's long lost identical cousin. <laughs> I really wish I had an identical cousin. Maybe hey, he they say been. we've always, we've all got a twin somewhere. Yeah, and we end up finding them in the weirdest places. Uh, I, I kind of found mine in the Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah. Oh really? Who? J- Crab. <laughs> I'm serious, man. It wasn't even. It, w- it was actually someone we all know that pointed this out to me, and it freaked me out. It was. It was Nicolette. It was a, about a year and a half ago. We were talking about Harry Potter, and and I showed her an old picture for something. She's like, "You look like Crab." I'm like, 
Excuse me? Yeah, that's what I that's what I that's what I'd say. I'd be offended. And and then I and then I looked and I looked and I'm like, oh my god. And then I'm watching I've been watching the movies with my nephews when they've been coming over the last uh few times as part because you guys brought it back up and it's been fun and we get to crab in Chamber of Secrets and I paused it and my mom looked at me she's like, Well, why did you pause it? And I'm like, I want you to look at that character for a second. You go stand next to the TV. You're I, like, I, I eh, didn't. Eh, eh. <laughs> I said, does he look familiar? Like, oh, not really. And I said, so you don't think he looks like me? She looked. She's like, oh my God, it does. And then there was another one on Twitter. A friend sent a picture that I actually, it. this one was so good, I actually thought it was myself. Wow. Oh, oh my. Yeah, that happened once. That happened wow. once. It was. It freaked my world when I found out that's not me. I'll send you the picture uh, later. I gotta find it again. But it it actually convinced myself yeah, we, and my mother and my. That <laughs> need one of those. Me. Need one of those. Totally looks like uh, comparison things. Mm. Oh, like a like a side by side. Yeah. That's entirely possible. That is entirely a possibility, but. Uh, that may end up on IPC's Twitter page or something like that eventually one day down the road. Uh, if you don't follow IPC on Twitter and Instagram yet, I would suggest that you do. It's about to get an influx of content, so be sure to go find us there and find us on Facebook at IPC Podcast. Definitely. Cool. So the numbers are in. A 10 and an 8 makes 18 out of 20 for you guys that want to go ahead and cut people off. They give it a 90% when you average it out. Yeah. So... That's that's uh, what um, that's what McMahon said. It's 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 interesting how we uh, we get a couple of very different numbers there based on who's submitting what and what kind of context people have. Context is everything, people. We do not have the context of the other five movies, so I'm curious to see or the book how how it's all going to play out. Yeah, and the books. Doing a review from a purely cinematic standpoint isn't exactly the best way to do things, but sometimes when you're a movie reviewing podcast, that's all you can do. You guys need to read more. <laughs> Agreed. Don't. Somebody told me there wouldn't be reading involved. No, I, teach... no I, I told you there would be no math, and you went and broke that rule. So, what the hell, John? <laughs> that's the picture. That I said convinced everyone. That's not me. Who slash what is that? This is. <laughs> this has to be a Photoshop. It, well, it is. <laughs> the point was that I thought it was my face. <laughs> it's not. Goodness gracious! Thank <laughs> goodness for small favors. <laughs> I, I felt that. I, I hope you guys enjoy that. I just I I just, will enjoy it a whole lot more once I take a third shot of whiskey. Don't don't show up to solo dressed like this, please. Uh, I I promise I won't. I don't I don't own a I don't own a sumo suit. That's unfortunate. Everybody should own a sumo suit. Yeah. Are you saying you do? Yeah, obviously. I'm I'm not saying I don't. <laughs> Who doesn't? Come on. Who doesn't? <laughs> Honey. Where is my sumo suit? <laughs> I am not I am not Michael Scott. I don't buy sumo suits. Now, now. You tell me where my sumo suit is, woman. We are talking about the greater good. 
sumo suits are, are for the greater good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's getting late, y'all. It's getting real late. It is getting late. So I suggest <laughs> yeah. we move on to the it's, next uh, subject that we have. Tell, you don't day. have to. You don't have to look at the clock. You just know by listening. You just gotta listen. Zach, and once get... Zach, I just have to say, I think that earned one of these. About time. I, 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 bring it back. And see, I'm, I'm, I'm lending you my theme song right now because that's how good that was. <laughs> Oddly enough. There's a player on my school's baseball team that uses that as his walk-up music. Well, he owes me a royalty. Don't you owe Ozzy Osbourne some royalty then? No, he owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it just works. <laughs> That's how it works. Let me let me know how that goes, man. Uh, it, it's, we're still going through the courts. All right, enough of that. Yeah, we're, there's, we're there's never enough Aussie. <laughs> we're def we're definitely riding the crazy train. <laughs> Quite. But uh, we do have a couple of matters of business that we need to attend to before we can call it a night. One of those being the ever-present quote of the night. Did we actually decide on a quote, or are we doing two, or I what did we finally Dominic on? decided on? Well, one. I decided on the one that Ben sent. So we're just going to pass did, the blame around. Did, did Ben send one or did he send two? I, whichever... I sent two, but I, there was one that I suggested, and I grabbed the one that you suggested also. Well, I took the um, one that Ben suggested. The ser- okay. Serious Black. Okay. Talking Fair to enough. Fair enough. I just didn't know what kind of introduction to use, so maybe I should just yield it to you since you're the one pushing the play button. Sure. So... I don't know how to set this up. I've never done this. This is a new experience. I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, <laughs> you just you just say a few words and then you use your hand to push play. Right. Okay. Good. <sighs> you can you, you can do this. We believe in you. I'm sweating here, man. I don't know. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Quote of the night. Um, it's uh it's from it's from it's from from the end of the movie. Uh, it's it's a great little moment between Harry and Sirius as they sort of say their their final goodbye for the time being. And in in rewatching it, it it bears a surprising uh, resemblance to a scene. And there's a line that's very familiar, uh, that is very familiar or very similar to a, a sequence in a, a a recent blockbuster movie that we all saw, um, or well, some of us saw together. Um, so yeah, quote of the night. Here we go. I'll be forever grateful for this. To both of you. I want to go with you. One day, perhaps. For some time, my life will be too unpredictable. And besides, you're meant to be here. But you're innocent. And you know it. And for now, that'll do. I expect you're tired of hearing this. But you look so like your father. Except your eyes. Yeah, my mother's eyes. 
It's cruel that I got to spend so much time with James and Lily and you so little. But know this. The ones that love us never really leave us. And you can always find me. In here. Which of your age? Quote of the night, right there. Booyah. Well, well done. Well done, sir. No one's ever really gone. I uh, that just hit me. Mm. Glad it, you pointed that out. It, that's, that, uh, yeah, it was when I was rewatching it that that, that 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 the similarity of that line hit me. Yeah, same emotional punch too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. need that hanky. Thank you. <laughs> so, also, I believe this is the last of the series that john williams composed it am i is. correct correct amundo wow so that great uh, music in this one. that mm. score that you hear behind you you're not going to hear anything like it for the remainder of this series but, except uh, when they use john williams actual themes yeah <laughs> the themes still recur <laughs> like i like mean Hedwig's, that's like michael Hedwig's theme isn't going using anywhere. That's like Michael Giacchino using John Williams' stuff in Jurassic World, though. It's all derivative. I thought you were going to say Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit I thought so, too. I, we were going, I, I forgot who we were talking to for a second. <laughs> he didn't really borrow a whole lot from Williams in Rogue One, though. There's a couple of moments, but yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, it's, there's it's, a it's few, much more, but it's... not nearly as noticeable as it would be in Jurassic World. Certainly, certainly. Giacchino really went off the rails. He kind of did his own thing in Rogue One, which which I credit him for because you, mm-hmm. you know, you're following up one of the. I mean, let's face it. Like other than Kevin Kiner in the Clone Wars movie, like he's the first composer to do that in Star Wars. So, pretty pretty awesome he did that. Who's got the responsibility for Solo? John Powell, who composed. John Powell. If I'm not mistaken the 2004 <laughs> box office leading movie. Did he do Shrek 2? Cuz he did I know he did Shrek 1. That would be an interesting cycle. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I like the way things kind of come full circle, but I'm not sure. Uh well, this is one of the sad parts of the evening where we We murder uh, Ben. We must we must say goodbye to one of our favorite people. He is uh, sending us urgent nine one one messages saying, "I must go. My people are calling." And so, whatever whatever that means. But uh, no one's ever really gone though. So I'll still be here even though I'm gone. So I, I'm doing this whole thing where I'm pointing to my heart and I'm like, "You'll be right in here." Visual gags work great on an audio only media. <laughs> <laughs> don't they? I have to describe you gotta, it. You gotta, you gotta visualize it as best you can. You gotta describe it. But uh, Ben, if if I'm understanding you correctly, you can't even stay for the last part of the evening. Yeah, I think I'm gonna but, but, have but, to. But, run. but 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 
never mind. There are no butts in Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of butts in Harry Potter. You need a lift? No, 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 need a lift. Well, then we shall be seeing you promptly for the Goblet of Fire come next week. Am I correct? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm plan- at least planning to be here. Con- you know, barring hell or high water, I'll, 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 be in, I'll be here. I'll be there for the show. Okay. That's not what we're talking about. We should, though, one of these days. Hey, if Fraser got its own episode, Friends deserves its own episode. I'm just saying. And see, you can have Zach on for that one. I'm not allowed on, but oh, you yeah. get hey, Zach. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think yeah. if we ever I think if we ever wanted to set the record for like the biggest round table discussion ever, it would be for the office. Yes. I concur. That would be a pretty intense round table. And see, that would I've be had one of the, the most amazing round tables to watch the office. Do it. Do it. Do absolutely do, do it. it. There's no reason not to, Ben. I'll put Having it that way. John Krasinski in the news so much, and you know, we had, we we <laughs> talked about him while back, and Zach said he could never be anyone but Jim on The Office. So um, it's got me. Intrigued. I can I can I can sell you on it in in one sentence. Do it. A character dresses as a Sith Lord for Halloween. It's true. It's I'm true. Sold. I'm sold. It is true. With that note, we'll be saying goodbye to our favorite Sith Lord, the one that has no soul, the wow. ever, Damn. <laughs> the, Damn. <laughs> the ever ginger Mr. Ben Hart. Go find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ben Hart with no E. And you can also listen to him on Thursday nights on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Ben, as always, a pleasure, and we're looking forward to having you on next week. Pleasure, guys. Thanks, McMahon. Thanks, Dominic, for coming on, and I'll talk to you guys next week bye ben oh, right everybody say bye bye to the nice man hope you find your barbecue <laughs> oh another elf reference I'm feeling i'm man. feeling elf tonight dude that's one of my favorite holiday movies it's of all so time. good just so good. putting that out there it, it really it's it's a it's a modern classic hell Fun it's fact. not even a modern classic it's just a classic it's just a classic. It's going to become one of those ancient classics that, you know, 50 years from now, people are still laughing at it. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, since we don't have a Star Wars movie to review at the end of the year, IPC is actually considering doing what we're going to call a couple of holiday specials. And we'll be discussing holiday themed movies towards the end of the year. And I have a feeling that Elf may be a front runner for one of the things that we discuss on the show. It better be. That might fight the office for largest round table. Yeah. It could. It really could. Katie's voting for Nightmare Before Christmas, so we've got a lot of things in consideration for what we may end up talking about at the end of the year. But we also have something that we like to talk about at the end of each episode, and it is that time again. If you are listening in the chat, and I know you are, there's a few of you out there, then go ahead and start putting it in the chat. I want to see it to let let me know. Let you know, let me know, they know we know. (laughs) What? It's a friend's reference. They don't know that we know they know we know. Anyways. (laughs) It's time to let me know that you're ready for this and that you're ready to talk about this because I'm ready to talk about this. I have a really cool story to tell that I didn't tell during pre-show story time because I wanted to save it for now. So if you're listening... 
on a pre-recorded episode, then put it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on all those places. So start using that hashtag again because it's time one more time. Sans Ben. One more time, everyone. One more time. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 I felt compelled to say that in Ben's absence. Mm. In memoriam, so I actually, I actually <laughs> in memoriam. The guy just left. <laughs> I know. R.I.P. Ben. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not R.I.P.C. anymore. It's R.I.P.B. Rest in peace, Ben. <laughs> We're just gonna do the whole alphabet. R.I.P.B. R.I.P.C. R.I.P. Oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> R.I.P.P. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That's uh, that's what I was going for. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> this is gonna keep happening. It's gonna keep happening. I'm almost done. I swear, this show's <laughs> almost over. You keep you keep saying that, but I don't think you know what it means. It's the last segment of the evening for crying out loud. Bear with me. Um, this past weekend. I went out of town to the great city of Austin, Texas, the state's capital, and it also just happens to be one of the hubs of barbecue food in the state. There's a lot of really great places in and around the Austin area. There's one place in Georgetown, which is just outside of Austin, called the Salt Lake, and they have a giant pit inside the restaurant that they will uh, slow cook their food in. There's another place in Austin called the County Line, and it will teach you how to speak Texan while you're using the bathroom. Excuse me? Huh? Yeah. What? It's pretty amazing. Uh, So you know how, like, some restaurants will play, like, soft music while you're sitting on the can, or maybe if you're, like, an Italian restaurant, it'll teach you, like, some words or phrases in Italian. So it basically is like that, where there's this very, very soft country music like acoustic guitar violin that kind of thing or fiddle i guess you should call it playing underneath this very long drawn out texan accent teaching you how to say certain words that you might expect a texan to say and one of those words would be something like pillar and then it would be like a like a dictionary definition would be like pillar noun the kind of thing you sleep on at night. I use two pillars when I go to bed. And it's like that for a series of different words. And it's Is hilarious. That racist? I feel like that's racist. No, that's not racist. It's just It's a little racist. It's how Texans speak. And the it's... further south you go, the more you hear it. Like, Dom, I know you didn't hear it a whole, whole lot when you were visiting, but if you go to Austin, if you go to Houston, if you go to San Antonio, 
further south you go, the more you hear those kinds of drawls. Yeah. I, I heard much more, many more accents when we were in Mississippi than I did when we were in uh, your neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah, my neck of the woods is more urban mm-hmm. because of the the whole Dallas and Fort Worth kind of being right in be right on either side of where I live. So, yeah, it's very it's very modern, but it's really funny because my mom's from South Texas, and whenever we drive south, as we go mile by mile, hour by hour, you can hear her voice literally start to change, and she sounds more southern the further south we drive. It's the weirdest thing. But the place that I went to is neither the county line nor the Salt Lake. I just had to give those places a shameless plug. I ended up at this place that was right down the street from the Airbnb that I was staying at. And if I could have gone there multiple times, I would have. Because this place is simply amazing. It's called Terry Black's Barbecue. And they have their smokehouse right outside their restaurant. So they... They cook everything on site. It's amazing. And the stuff that they cook, oh my goodness. I don't think I've had brisket that soft in my entire life. And believe me, I've been to plenty of barbecue restaurants where I could have. It was melt-in-your-mouth tender. It was so amazing. But the cool thing about this place is that their side items are enormous there's there's enormous portions and just enormous amounts like variety the variety is just seemingly endless they had two different kinds of potato salad they had green beans they had pinto beans they had mexican fried rice they had cornbread they had pickles and jalapenos they had macaroni and cheese of which my girlfriend and i got an entire pint of it because it was so delicious there was just so much to choose from that we couldn't. And so we ended up getting a little bit of everything. And it was by far one of the best barbecue experiences that I've ever had. And I would absolutely go back. It costed about 40 bucks for the two of us. But that's because we got so many side items and we got drinks. but And we got banana pudding for dessert which was a mistake because neither of us actually wanted banana pudding but we ended up getting it anyway because it looked so good (laughs) and and we were just kind of in this craze we're like i'm so hungry because we skipped brunch we literally skipped brunch so that we could go have this stuff for lunch because we went with a group of about six people and four of those six went to go see a concert that day and we went exploring downtown austin and She and I ended up at this place super hungry because we skipped brunch. And we ended up with some leftovers, which turned into one meal for one person, one meal's worth for one person. But we pretty much ate everything else that was there that night. And it was absolutely phenomenal. One of the best barbecue dining experiences that I've had in a long, long time. And... Sometimes we talk about recipes, sometimes we talk about the unique things of barbecue, and then sometimes it's just the experience that we had. And I got to tell you, it was quite the experience. Cool. Sounds awesome. I, I, I wish that I had been able to take you guys and and let you experience it as well. But there's an image, and we may put it on 
on the IPC podcast Twitter and Instagram page so you all can experience it at home as well because the food there was just oh I can't even it, it was superb it was very filling compared to the other places that I went that weekend a lot of it felt very overpriced and underfilling but at that place at Terry Black's I felt like I was getting my money's worth that's great that's great the picture looks good looks good yeah, I that that's the one thing that I enthused enough. I know. I'm like, eh. okay. So here's part two of BBQ Watch, the one that's going to get you guys more involved. One of the main aspects of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was the werewolves and trying to figure out who the werewolf was. Yes, I think and werewolf. We uh, yes, I think werewolf meat would be tasty. Continue. Well, yes, of, of I course. Think it would be uh, chewy. I mean, it would probably, I mean, don't you think you would run, be running the risk of turning into a werewolf if you actually barbecue a werewolf? And what happens? Okay, that... so, so you turn into a werewolf if a werewolf bites you. What happens if you bite the werewolf? Does it turn does back the... into a man? Okay, here's the other question then. By eating a werewolf via barbecue or any other means, since they are technically half man, does that make you half cannibal? Yes. Continue. <sighs> Definitely. So you're one part. You would you admit to saying werewolf meat would be tasty, and you admit to saying that you are willing to become one part cannibal. Well, Zach, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've been cannibal for years, so you know, not actually. I mean, if it, if it, if it came down to you know a Walking Dead type of apocalyptic situation, and I actually absolutely had to, I I don't know. I might. Well, if it's I, life, I, if it's life and death, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. If, uh, if it's the, an I need to eat a piece of dom to stay alive, why me? Then, uh, well, because you're the Couldn't closest. You say his full name because the way you pronounced it sounded like you said something else. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I think those, I think those drinks you've had are affecting your hearing. <laughs> If I had to eat a piece of dom, and you kind of drawled out the M to where it didn't sound like an M anymore, and I was just, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. As was I. I closed the tab. I thought we were over. I thought that we were over this. We're not over until the show's over. No. (laughs) That might as well be our outro music. Yeah, Ben's not here anymore, so we might as well. (laughs) But the real question I had for you guys was, what would you make of having a barbecue on the full moon? You're having the entire eating experience under the light of a full moon and nothing else. Maybe... The, the slow crackle of a fire nearby from slow cooking the meat, but the entire dining experience from the sides to the sauce to the sandwiches, you're not sitting at your traditional restaurant with the artificial lights or anything like that. You are outdoors, almost like a picnic, but it's all barbecue related. Interested? Not interested? I, that yeah. depends. Where am I doing this? I mean, is this an area prone to vam- uh, to werewolf attack? Yeah, that's the that's I feel like, one, number I feel one concern. Like in, well, it's it's night, so vampires could be a problem too. But that's a different. Is it in the Shrieking issue. Shack? 
Is it, next is it anywhere near the grounds of Hogwarts? What I feel about like that the Whomping, be too safe. What about the Whomping Willow? Oh, I'm not having a picnic near the Whomping Willow. Mm. You're going to end up with your food all over the place. You're not going to get to eat it or enjoy it. I mean, what's the point of having a picnic at the Whomping Willow? That's yeah. very true. Okay. Now, mind you, if I'm ever in a situation where I am taking someone on a picnic date and I've forgotten to pack the picnic, then I'll go to the Whomping Willow, let the Whomping Willow knock the picnic basket away, and then I can say, oh, darn! <laughs> and, and you know... What? <laughs> you thought this through. You're like... That is, like, extremely <laughs> elaborate, man. It's like, you're like, well, when I'm going on this date with this hypothetical person to this fictional location, I will... And I've and I'm in this in this wonderful fantasy I've created for myself. I'm still an idiot, and I've forgotten the basket. <laughs> I have the basket. There's just no food in it. I've forgotten the which which this wonderful which, fantastical special Mc, occasion. McMahon, that makes I it, still forgot the food. That makes it worse. The fact that you in this fantasy where you're on this date with this beautiful person in this fantastic location. You brought the basket, but with no food. Well, maybe there was food in it, but I ate it, okay? <laughs> so so, so your, your, choices, your choices in this fantasy that you've come up with is either A, you're an idiot, or B, you're, you're selfish. So Why not both? <laughs> selfish idiot. Well, McMahon, you have earned this. That you only get that much of the song, and so. Oh, ouch! <laughs> so I'm not actually on the crazy train. Well, you know, maybe you are, maybe you're not. I don't know. It's, it's you know, it varies. He's screaming all aboard, so it's like you're just about to miss the train, but. <laughs> And so in this fantasy, you're on the date in the fantastic location. <laughs> you brought the basket, forgot the food, and missed the or train. Or ate the food. And you're late for the train. <laughs> it's the train. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, like, I'm so glad that we set aside this day to go on a picnic together. Oh, no. I don't have any food. And then off in the distance, you hear this guy yelling, All aboard! That's, that's the night bus. That's what that is. It's the night bus coming by. It's the train. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Accurate, though. Ben's going to take a look at this and he goes to upload it and he's going to see when he leaves and then see us go for another however long we've been going. And then you're like, what the hell? What they did were you wrapping guys up. talk about? They were supposed to be rapping, and then they started rapping. <laughs> no? Too much yeah, I was warranted there. Yeah. yeah, maybe just a little bit. Although, I did really, really enjoy uh, Electric City by Michael and Dwight. That was probably one of the best raps I've ever seen, period. <laughs> it, it, is, it is definitely an amazing rap. The Electric City what? Electric City what? Sitting in my office with a plate of real bacon. God, I'm a man, Call Dwight, a man just, whack just, just to see, see what was shaking. shaking. Yo, Mike, our town is... <laughs> is dope and crazy. It's like, 
come and have a, a, in the electric city. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually made me want to visit Scranton just a little bit. Yeah. Well, the 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 day that Chris and I went to the um the the location where they shoot the exteriors for that. All, all I could think as we were as we were standing outside was we're at Scranton. What the electric city? <laughs> I, I would have forcibly had him recreate the shot of Michael and Dwight doing the rapper gangster pose. Oh, it, oh it also man. it also took everything I had not to just yell at the building, Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guarantee you would not have been the first person to do that. I'm sure, I would not. <laughs> I wonder if the people who like live or work near that building ever get anything done. Probably not. I imagine infrequently people, people well, like us would make it very difficult. I them. imagine they get about as much work done as the actual Dunder Mifflin people do. With a plate of grilled bacon. Call a man back just to see what was shaking. No much yeah. our town is dope and pretty. So check out how we live in the electric city. They call it Scranton. What? The electric city. Scranton. What? The electric city. I'm not getting any sleep now. I'm just going to be going down down an, an office clips rabbit hole on YouTube. <laughs> dude, dude, we, we're just going to... Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. I am just going to be but sending liquor. you guys Our office gifts in the group chat for the lower. whole rest of the evening. Yeah. All right, Zach, I think you need to take us out. We do need to I, close I this out. Or we're going to end up doing an impromptu IPC office episode. Hey, mm-hmm. why don't we just do like an after party thing? I got nothing to do. No? Yeah, I, okay. I, I, sleep would be nice. <laughs> sleep, sleep would be good. I feel like that's an important part of my evening. Yeah, I got stuff uh, to do tomorrow. So close to bringing back the backyard watch. Dang it. So close. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Well, folks, for those of you that want to continue hearing the antics of McMahon, you can go hear him and the entire Star Wars Wastelands gang every Wednesday right here on Channel 1138. If you want to hear more from Mr. Jones, you can hear from him on the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is on Thursdays right here on Channel 1138. Yes, uh, Dom, they find you at DominicJ25. Is that correct? That is correct. Twitter and Instagram. And McMahon, where can people follow along with you? Is it best just to follow on Wastelands? That that would be best. As, as I've said, I am a, I am social media challenged. Or just deprived. Maybe we just need to create. <laughs> I thought a you were going to say. I thought, Instagram you, I thought you were going to say, or he's just depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. See, if we do that, then we're going to end up doing the whole, you know. Michael Dwight thing, and we're going to end up back my on the air for another half hour. And the stress it, of my modern office has caused me to go into a depression. Depression? Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant Dwight, slut! You ignorant slut! <laughs> <laughs> if I could push the button, I would. Oh, right. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just leave this playing, Dom. That'll be the outro music as I say goodbyes. Go follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Zach underscore DFW. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com and on patreon.podbean.com forward slash ipcpodcast if you want to actually put money towards whatever endeavor we put forth tonight. 
But that is going to do it on this crazy train of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that we didn't scare you away and that you'll join us next week when we discuss Goblet of Fire. Until then, just remember, in war, truth is the first casualty. Although we had a few other casualties tonight as well. We'll see you next week on IPC, but until then, good night, everyone. Mischief Managed.